to see for yourselves one of the most amazing events. When is this great experiment for me? Impervious to heat, impossible to move. Is it human or inhuman? Gentlemen, do you realize what we've found? It's time for the Geeky Drummy Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Hello and welcome to the Geeky Drummy Podcast. Joining me today, Mr. Guy Hamwood. Yeah. Ms. Laura Graven. Hello. Mr. Lee Price. Hello. And Mr. Keith Bloomfield. Good. Hello. I was in an episode of Under yeah. I was more concerned whether you'd put a full stop after the Mister. <laughs> How are we all this day? Indeterminate time about a day. <laughs> well, there was a there was another fine curve guys enthusiasm situation around that you you were there to witness. This, <sighs> So we went out for a couple of drinks for your lovely wife's birthday. <clears throat> so we went to quite a, a narrow pub, to say the least. Yes. And it's, it's on a canal side. <clears throat> so it's got a narrow corridor to get to the facilities. The facilities. As we know, Ono Guy needs facilities on a regular basis. I do. <laughs> so now if you know the toilets are at the end of the corridor and there's a narrow corridor, why would you put two chairs in the middle of the aisle so no one can actually get to the facilities completely blocking the way this is what happened i raised the issue with a, they were elderly people so they shouldn't know about um what is it with you and elderly people in toilets <laughs> i don't know so they're in the way i raised it to them and they were like it, it was like this when we got here lies Absolute lies. So anyway, I went round the, all the way outside, round to a back gate to get to the toilet. What an inconvenience for me. I'm not happy about inconvenience. And then I thought about it when I was on tour. I was like, I'm not having this. I'm not having them be in the way. So when I came back, I deliberately opened the door and shoved it really hard into one of the chairs. And then I was just like, you're going to have to move. And they were like, no. And I was like, yeah. And then it just kicked, all kicked off, and they were annoyed because after the first incident, I'd walked off and I called them old effers, perfectly justified in my opinion. So they were really annoyed, and then I was accused of, oh, he said I was effing and jeffing at them. The term effing and jeffing, obviously, being brilliant. So anyway, all kicked off, and then... But, no, you missed the best bit, is they went to the bar and told on you. Yeah, so the one, one, one old geese, this other guy comes back and then he starts talking about it. And I'm like, look, you're the only reasonable person person here because he's like, well, we can move. I'm like, well, you, you clearly understand reason, whereas the rest of the old duffers with you clearly don't. Mm. So, you know, this is completely gone. I was like, what if there's a fire? You know, what, what if someone needs a desperate crap and they've got to, like, get to the toilet? They've got all the way around. They, they certainly follow through, do you know what I mean? And then, like... Then they've got to sit there with like sludgy pants all night because you decided that you want to block the whole corridor. It's not on, it's not respectable. So anyway, yeah, as I said, right, the one old duffer was like basically went to the bar to grass on me. 
So he started going to the barman. So I started laughing it. So he went up to, I went up to the barman as well. He was like, oh, he's been effing and jeffing at me. And then he used the term himself. He called us old effers. It's kind of like, well, look who's effing and jeffing now. Oh. Like, seriously, like, what the hell? Anyway. This, I, this is what the rest of the party who were with Guy were all looking very concerned at. <laughs> oh, yeah, then he got some, then he got some, like, you know, sort of, um, some brickies involved. We'll call them brickies. They look like brickies. Um, and they were like, oh, oh, you probably shouldn't have scored it, mate. And it's kind of like, yeah, well, he deserved it, quite clearly, because he was blocking the corridor. Uh, anyway, to cut it short, they, they eventually moved. They moved I, outside. They did move outside and they were staring at me horribly when I left and I just laughed at them. And the barman just went up and went, yeah, you shouldn't be sat there. Yeah. That, that was the entire thing. But once again, I was right. Okay, maybe maybe I didn't tackle it in the most polite of ways, but I was still right. You I was expecting you to the kick the door through on the way back and like fire an old lady across the <laughs> like, why would you even think that's a good idea to sit there? And if someone's told you you're blocking toilets, at that point, you're like, I'm really sorry, let's move, let's find another table. No, let's just carry on sitting here, drinking and just being old and stuff. It did, it did kind of feel like that when it came back to the table and you guys were all just like, for God's sake. I will be like, honest, for a second, I thought you were going to be the EastEnders theme. I was like, it wasn't that dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been if you burst through the door. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But I just That's where the drums kick in. I just don't understand the logic of why they sat there. It's like, you know, why why would you do that? Just to annoy you. Yeah, it did annoy me. It, but to be fair, I won, so I was amused by the whole situation. I think we walked off down back down towards town and had the smuggest look on my face. So. I think we all just decided, yeah, we're leaving the bar at this point now. <laughs> Guy's had his moral victory, let's escape before we get a Social warrior. It, he's, it, every time he does one of these stories, it becomes more and more clear that he is living the Truman Show. Um, it must have been before you got to the bar, everyone was like, old lady one set, old man two set, right, here he comes, everybody in their positions, go. <laughs> it's like, it just sets it up for you. I think he just actively looks for things to be annoyed about. That, that was annoyance. That was some, sometimes I like to have an argument with people. I'm not gonna lie, but that was a genuine, genuine annoyance. That was you're in my way. I need to get to this location, and you will inconvenience me by making me have to use more time of my life to have to walk around to get to another location. Why didn't you just go? Excuse me, I need to go to the conveniences, and then we just sat there, and then you just pushed your way through. You inconvenienced my trip to the convenience. I couldn't no, because because I'm not, I'm not. They were a bit big. Not ladies. I'm not gonna lie, and I couldn't get past them. They, they were, they'd sat out in the whole aisle. There, there was no way of getting past. I'm a big lad myself. It would have been. We should have just would have been a mess. To put this politely, maybe you should have just peed in their drinks <laughs> and just say, "Well, I've got as far towards the toilets as I possibly can." So I'm sorry, but this is what's going to have to happen. <laughs> or shoved your buttocks in the face as you pushed through between them. I mean, if it again, it would have been. A, it wouldn't have been a pleasant situation for anybody involved. You know, like. I don't want to feel that against my gun cheeks, to be honest with you. What, old lady face? Yeah. You should have just relieved yourself right there and then and just let it dribble all across the floor. <laughs> I'm sure they'd have moved then. This is what happens when you don't move out of the way. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm just, just, just another situation, really. Yeah. Found myself in. Oh, that's, his, that's the title of your biography. Just another situation. <laughs> Laura, what have you been up to the last few weeks since we saw you? I honestly don't think I can top that. <laughs> uh, I... Have you insulted any old people in random places? Uh, no. I did get slightly annoyed at some people at a train station. 
Saturday else good. Like yeah. I, I, I want to hear the rest. You'd, you'd enjoy this one. It's a good sell. How how do you get to a ticket machine and not know where you are going? No, that's stupid. Mm. Spent five minutes in a queue waiting for some people to buy some train tickets. They didn't appear to know where they were going. Did you just like say get out of my way? I was so yeah. tempted. So mm. tempted. I don't, I don't understand that. Like I see when people they 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 are at the location and they can't comprehend what they're doing. So I went to the cinema last night. The film had started. It was dead empty in there. This guy stands by me and Laura for ages, looking at, looking for his seat. I turned around and went, you're spoiled for choice, are you? He went, I'm just trying to find my seat. And was kind of like, well, there's plenty of them, so just take one. But it's kind of like, you spent ages thinking about like people just can't work out basic things. It's not just, just press the button, get a ticket. I don't, a I don't believe it's quite as easy as that, though. The guy in the cinema seat is, if he'd have sat in a seat, some... Other person would have come along later on, going, "You sat in my seat, mate. Can you move?" When well, there would have been a whole scene. Like me yesterday. <laughs> yeah, and the train thing, I I'm guilty of that because the train thing goes, "I'd like to go to this station, please," and it presents you with seventy five options of tickets. No, they were typing it in. Oh, so it's <laughs> rather than the choice, they weren't even typing it in. Were they, were they the people who kind of, they think they know where they're going, but the train station is saying something completely different, and they mm. haven't done their pre research on this. So they want to go uh, to like they want to go to. It, it's know. people who own a smartphone now and now think that they can operate any computer to the same level. I'm just like, if you don't know where, like, how do you not know where you are going? Why would you not check this out first? Maybe we're just doing a lucky dip. Maybe it's like, where do we fancy going today? Oh, we've been to that chocolate shop factory attraction. And um, now we're going to go on a wild tour of the Cross City Line. But you mentioned about smartphones. I'm just like, if they've got a smartphone, then they can just use Trainline or something. They don't no. need to hold up the ticket. You say, you say this. Do you know how long we spent arguing with the train company to fix that ticket machine? Was <laughs> that Bonhoeffer? It is. Yeah, it oh, is was this, nearly three months. Is this a matter of pride then? Laura? This is I'm using that ticket machine. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's the same in car parks where you see people of a certain maturity, to phrase it. These were not those. And like they're yeah, like having to put their registration number in, and it takes them a good thirty to forty seconds to type in what is eight digits. Or the people that when you're at like the barriers, the train station, decide that's the opportune moment to find the ticket. Yeah, like like this was a surprise that they have suddenly. No. Oh yeah, that, you always get clapped. Or, or purses, uh, queues in shops. Like th- this is a common concept. You need to pay for things. Get ready. Yeah, they People stand on the left coming. of the escalators as well. The train stations. Mm. They like go halfway up and then kind get of tired. Like, get tired and then just stop. And yeah. Like, Although the, the ones in in Birmingham aren't really wide enough for you to have two people kind of. Snow Hill is ish. Did you, did you shout at these particular people, like, hurry that F up? No. No. Should have. I did a very British thing and tutted and huffed and off. <laughs> and <laughs> sighed really yes. loudly. Uh, yes, I thought I probably shouldn't shout at people at my local train station. I don't worry about it, you know, it's, I've done it. Again, not surprised. <laughs> Was that Bourneville Station last week, for reasons which will become apparent later? I've bumped into three people who have not seen in months, just randomly. Oh, there. yeah. Told you. Born, as I like to call it, Sturchley in Bourneville Station. Yes. Stop and chat. Yeah. 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 It's, the, uh, it's the, the social scene of uh, the area. 
at any point in the conversation, Brian, did you get the implication, indication that these people might have been trying to get away? Or were you the person trying to get away from Well, the one was on the other platform, so we just did the wave thing. Okay. And the other person was going to the Independent Birmingham Festival. It was Andy Woodshot. So basically, they were just looking forward to getting loads of duffing. I mean, obviously, you know, we don't have enough beer in Sturchley, so clearly they were having to leave. Well, that's why they've had to open another brewery in Sturchley. Yeah, we have been waiting for that one for a while, but exciting news, we're also getting a cocktail bar. I'm bored of cocktail bars now. I'm not. Literally, you can just get beer in Sturchley. Yeah. It's very nice, but I would like some different ones. Talking of putting on trains. Yeah. I, want, I want you to mention what happened because I don't agree with your opinions on the matter. Oh, this was yesterday. I got onto the train to go to work with my lovely wife, Vivian. Uh, there was a woman sat down in a four-seater. Yeah. Gentleman on the other side. Yeah. She had her bag on one of the seats. Viv sat down. Did I, was, did I, did I stood there for a good 10 seconds. Did Viv race you to the chair? Did no, you, I... You kind of like, literally do that thing where like, she kind of slowed in front. I escorted Viv to the chair. What a gentle word. Yes. And then gave it 10 seconds of staring at this woman who had her bag next to her while she pretended to read the newspaper, like glancing over the top of it, to actually got to the stage of, excuse me, can you move your bag please so we can sit down? Oh yeah, if people are pretending to read, that's it. Can I tell you about the... Uh... The, the people that pretended to be asleep when I was on the train. <laughs> uh, they were my reserve seats. Yeah. Out. Out. Yeah. It's like, unless she's bought a spe- second train ticket yeah. for that bag, that bag is not sitting there. The key's, key's the man who has at least three bags with him anytime he goes on any kind of train journey. Do you always take the second seat with your bags, or are you a gentleman and put your bags in there? No, usually. It's on the bus, so I take great pleasure of dumping several hundred copies of the Metro onto the floor <laughs> so I can use the piece of the one tiny section of the bus that's actually for luggage to put it because like, I hate it when I put my bags on top of the Metros and people go, I can't get more Metros. It's like, well, I've put it where it belongs on the floor so you can scrabble around yeah. on the floor for your raggy little newspaper. Um, but Public how transport. Are they going to find out how, who the Russian crushes that day? Ah, but public transport is designed to annoy you from the, the way it's designed. I think it's been designed by people who used to be around during the Second World War and worked for the other side because <laughs> they go, oh, we'll make the seats really uncomfortable. We'll make it really hot. We'll make it really difficult for you to actually get on and off. We'll make the queuing system ridiculous. And also, if you've got anything bigger than a peanut as your kind of carry-on luggage, you can't get it anywhere. So. This is why I learned to drive. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. all of that. But if forever. I learned to drive, I'd end up having a car that looked like something out of Mad Max. <laughs> and I would spend most of my time chasing people down and, and doing unspeakable things to yeah. them. We've also had vintage trains start appearing on our line. I think it's basically because they've run out of carriages. <laughs> Sounds about right. So we're getting trains that, that are predating British Rail, I think. Excellent. Just on the line randomly. And no aircon, no windows, nothing. So you just get on and just bake the entire time you're on there. But Ryan, it's retro. <laughs> on, the, on the subject of the top, though, Ryan, like, yeah. <clears throat> you were working sort of this morning. I completely agree with her. At the end of the day, her bag got on the train before you. I don't care. So that bag is more deserving. I, like, I feel that, like, if someone. You're wrong. Does, does we also agree, well, unless that bag is significantly contributing to society by doing a job. Or looking after somebody. Or, or has its own ticket. Yeah. If it's got its own ticket, fair enough. 
my, my, my feeling is, if somebody <coughs> asked me to move my bag off the seat, my opinion instantly is, I value my bag more than I value you right now, so... Well, to be honest, if you didn't move your bag, I would sit on it. <laughs> yeah, see, like... I, I, I would bend all the vinyl that was probably in your bag and throw it onto your lap. I've, I've, I've used, like, seats to put my bag on when I've been on trains before, but if someone comes on and clearly needs to use the seat, I will move my bag because I'm polite. <laughs> the, tr- the trick is here, though, is you sit in a two-seater, you sit on the aisle seat. Yeah. That's that's the trick. You want your bag to have a seat. Oh, seat don't don't sit in a four-seater with yeah. your bag. You're leaving yourself exposed for it. Even, a even a two-seater and you've got the other seat taken up by a bag, then, I mean, literally, you should be allowed by law to do unspeakable things to that person. It, it's people who pretend the bag's not theirs as well, and they have like no relationship with the bag. Oh. They just they, they just like completely ignore the bag's there. Like and that pair of trousers that got on the train by itself. <laughs> or if I just don't look at you, yeah, I'm just going to look at my phone and listen. To I think this is the point you should start doing things that will make people to look at you because I think the yeah. bag thing should be like guys thing earlier on. I think this should be a rule that allows if you need to make somebody's bag move you're allowed to defecate on it in some way <laughs> so oh sorry you know there's your bag I've weed on it that's it's well, we'll we have like to play the shoulder game for the rest of the journey as well were there other seats that you no. the bag you these were the last two seats well no you don't go from were there other seats for the bag to go on it's <laughs> <laughs> like you stuff it under your feet or well, under the table a, there's a luggage rack above your head put it up there that's where bags are supposed to live I think you should have just set fire to the bag. Doused it in lighter fuel and set fire to it. And it's like, oh, that's unfortunate. I'll just open it and just empty the contents onto the floor and then throw the bag to the other yeah. end of the tray. Was it a nice bag? No. You're fixating on the wrong things here, guys. It guy. was an old Jan, Jan sport bag, so unless you're into retro bags. I've got a retro bag. What is it with Fjall Raven bags as well? Looks like everywhere nowadays. Your Raven bags, they've just like exploded across Birmingham. And they're expensive. I know. It's just, it's a backpack. Oh, is that that little thing with the little fox on it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Oh, the, the, the whole thing about backpacks, I don't know if anybody saw, there was a random lunatic on Twitter, like that narrows it down. <laughs> so some guy who was going, men, any man over the age of seven should mm. not have a backpack and should carry around a briefcase. Oh, God. <sighs> I, my favourite response to that was the guy basically going, um, but... Surely a briefcase is just a really big hard purse. <laughs> so talking about briefcases, Guy will know this story. When when a common acquaintance between the two of us started his day job at the call centre he used to work at, he brought a briefcase in his first day. He Aww. never bought his briefcase again because the entire day we just made jokes about what would be in the contents of the briefcase. We worked it out it would be a um, adult pamphlet and a banana. Yeah. With your own contents. I, I, Why would you bring a briefcase to a call centre? I also like with that guy, the um, so there was a woman who responded to him by saying, well, I wear a backpack, why shouldn't men as well? And he was just like, well, you're a woman, so you're exempt from this and everything. Someone else popped in and basically went, oh, I'm a big boy with a big briefcase and no girls allowed in my fall. <laughs> It was it was amazing how most people just took just yeah. took him down. And did, it was like, did he have a right pointing arrow and he and a Union Jack flag on his profile oh, picture? Probably. So I can imagine he was kind of one of those. Uh, he was definitely one of those. Yeah. Anything else that's happened to you, Laura? <laughs> I, I didn't mention anything else. <laughs> I think we segued quite far away. We from have. Tutting on trains. <laughs>
Lee, what have you been up to? I have. Uh, I'm trying to remember now. Oh yeah, I um, went. I didn't go anywhere, but um, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like I went quite nowhere. Interestingly, yeah. I don't remember. I went nowhere. No, people came to visit me, so I arranged to have a bit of a reunion with some of uh, my old online friends who I've known since I was a teenager, um, and they all came down to Birmingham for that. Um, basically, we were we all kind of met on the old AOL message boards. That's yeah. how long ago. Yeah. <laughs> are, are they all of the ASL of the crypt? Yes, yeah. Age, yeah. Age <laughs> um, that, that was always the thing with online messaging, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. ASL. Yeah, you're not you're not sixteen <laughs> from <laughs> from London, are you? No. <laughs> like we've we've sort of all known each other over the past few years and stuff and we've we've in various combinations met up here and there, but mm. I was just like, let's just have we haven't like really hung, done that in a while, let's all just get together and because Birmingham was in the middle of everyone, it was like all right, I guess I'm hosting it then. Um, when you all met, did you just sit there talking to each other on? on <laughs> no. Did you all like unveil your switches and like put them together like the knights of the round table? Switch the console key. <laughs> yeah, I could see. I could see your switch there, guy. You can. Yeah. We went for blue and red, which is always a poor choice. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's yeah. not a poor choice, Ryan. You went for grey because it was cheaper. <laughs> no, I went for grey because it came with Zelda for free. <laughs> So, I could have had red and blue for the exact same price. I just like the grey. I mean, I don't know why we're insulting each other's switches here. At least we've all got one. <laughs> yeah, but I haven't got to worry about, you know, uh, Joy-Con drift, so I'll wait until they fix it. Uh, I don't have one. I don't want one, and I have no idea what that is. <laughs> That's cool. It's the fact Keith really wants one. Yeah. It's, it's basically the Wii and the DS had a baby. Sounds awful. Yes. So what yeah. happened when you met your your, your fellow yeah, really. aimers? Yeah. Aimers is that the term aimers? Oh, I think so. It's yeah. been it's been years, but yeah, we just sort of had a you know we wandered around to a few different bars and stuff and had a bit of a catch up and everything. But uh, there was the it was definitely interesting at the beginning though because I basically said I'm going to be waiting by like right in the middle of New Street and Pret Mondrian. Yeah, right by Everybody Pret. knows Pret Mondre yeah. is the new beat that's, that's, spot in that's, New yeah. That's where I was standing by, and I was like, okay, this is a good spot. Everyone can see yeah. where I'm coming from. And then the um, the breast cancer charity that was there decided to have a breakout <laughs> choir, which took up the entirety of New Street. And uh, I was just like, yeah, my friends are not going to find me in this crowd. So I just went off to like the moleskin in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> what were they singing? Um, they were singing Lean On Me. Okay. Uh, which initially I thought that they changed like the the brother in there to Jesus, but it turns out they actually said sister, and I massively missed her. <laughs> and I was just like, don't turn it to a religious song. Like Yanni Laurel thing, sister of Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and and then there was like a really odd moment where one of my friends was like accosted by some random guy on the street, and I thought, oh god, here we go, this is going to be a problem. But he, he just genuinely, he genuinely... Them liked, damn homeless. No, he, this wasn't a homeless guy. This was just a drunk guy coming out of one of the bars. But he just, he was just genuinely complimenting her dress. And I was just Aww. like, this is kind of, this is not what I normally expect people to be shouting at random women on the street. That's quite nice because normally, normally yeah. it would be a sleazy remark. Yeah. That's quite nice, you know, that's, uh, that's uh, nice like, to hear. Yeah, like I said, initially I was just kind of like, oh God, here we go, this is going to... This is going to kick off. This is going to ruin the day. But then it was, it was just like, it's a good look. Yeah, you've got your own style and everything. Keep it up. I was like, 
Okay, that's, that went n- not exactly where I expected to go. Slightly slurry, but it's a great dress. Yeah. It's such a really nice dress. Yeah, and I just wandered off, so I was like, okay. I sure. love random drunk people kind of, so um, yeah. me and Laura were taking the dog Max for a walk a few weeks ago, and we stopped off, at a, we walked past a pub nearby in, in Sturchley, and this, uh, about 11 in the morning, this really drunk man comes out with a cigarette in his mouth, and he starts walking over to Max, and he's like, oh, oh God, what's going to happen here? And then he's like, and he's like, oh, he's really lovely, he's really cute. And then he's like trying to stroke Max, but he's like smoking his cigarette in Max's face. And Max is just like back away like, I don't think so. <laughs> Max is too good for your <laughs> But you can take it, Alan, be away from my fur. <sighs> the little female. So what games did you play for? Did you not play any games? Um, just kind of the same stuff I've been playing recently, so. Did, did you relive a Switch advert and bring a Switch with four Joy-Cons? <laughs> no, no, I did and just like have a little play. Nah, nah. I mean, like a lot of because it was like the music boards that we met on. Like a lot of them aren't really gamers as such. Um, like I think I was mentioning about we talked about Pigeon Park, yeah. and some of my friends were like, "What the hell's Pigeon Park?" And uh, uh, me and a friend who sort of used to live in Birmingham explained what it was. And uh, the Moss obviously in Birmingham. And they asked like, do, "Oh, do the the emos still hang out there?" And I was just like, "Well, consider." It, Yes, they do, and I know this because that that area is just full of poker stops. And one of my friends went, "Of course, you know that because of that reason." <laughs> it is amusing when you see a raid zone in Pigeon Park yeah, and yeah. all the like pokey funds congregate because <laughs> it looks like someone's had an evacuation in one of the buildings. <laughs> and like you see the people who work in the business district wandering through going, "What? What? what, what why? What's going on here?" It'll never kind of better when it first came out. And there were just groups of men in suits playing. We've all gone silent, guys, writing things. <laughs> Hello, I was writing something. I've distracted everybody. Yeah. Sorry, guys passing he's, he's, he's not very subtle when he comes <laughs> to do his uh, kind of like You know, like, you know, like, you know, like when they make film or film and there's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff going on, the actors yeah. don't just stop and, uh, you know, like... like Your job is to talk what's going, Yeah, what's going on? You know, the production team are working. Like, the actors don't like it. But generally, the production team don't look like a panicked rabbit. <laughs> which you, you're presenting us a note. You look a bit. He's actually like, typing oh God, the notes out this time, rather than scoring them on paper and then like handing me intelligent. It does text. prevent him from drawing little doodle phalluses. Phalluses yeah. as well. So that's a good thing. Guy has a thing for drawing phalluses. I'm so not surprised. He's like the American Vandal. <laughs> it's like, super bad. Is he the British remake? <laughs> it's like the end credits for Super Bad. Like this is a this was a way like my friend Joe said that this is like if you if you ever look at a manager like if you were looking to hire somebody and you wanted to pick the right person in the office if you just walk around the office and just drew phalluses on people's pads and whoever found it funny would be the person I'd have to hire. <laughs> <laughs> like that that it's like whoever giggled at it like I want you on the team. I could imagine it if you like ever got to like a mass sacking at your place and you were in charge. What 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 would be the two? It'd be a phallus and another object on the desk. And you just drop an email out. If you have a phallus, you're fine. If you found another object, you're gone. I thought you'd be like, oh, well, I'll only hire people who've got phalluses. Like, <laughs> Royce, I like, were you making me out to be a sexist boss? I was like, why is guy mass ordering dildos for people's desks? <laughs> <laughs> why not? It's a welcome gift. <laughs> That's the last day at work gift for you, isn't it? Put it, put it next to your plant pot. <laughs> Use it as a cup holder. <laughs> Put your headphones on it. <laughs> Stress ball. 
Keith, what have you been up to this week? Um, my only transport story uh, really is I went to an airport not to go anywhere, which was fun. Right. Um, no, I, 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 I was I made sure that somebody else got a plane to go somewhere else. So which I airport went. was it? It was Luton. It's not in London as well. Stop lying with your London Luton. It's nowhere near London. It was fine. It was like, you know, it was cool. It was it was a little tiny little place. It was fine. Last time I went there it was basically two sheds sellotaped together. Um I think they've modernised it a little bit. I'll put another shed on. I I didn't I didn't notice any shedness uh, going on. So it was a little bit um there weren't there weren't no spades or kind of spiders knocking around um, yeah. for that. But yeah, that was all right. You know, mo- travel is mostly ninety percent waiting around for other things to happen. My only experience with Luton is when I went to go see the university years ago, and the university really really nice. But then I left the university and came into Luton and went. I'm not going here. <laughs> Screw this. I'm the commentary of the self. Yes. I, went, I went to the open day and I walked out after about 20 minutes because they were just so happy and in my face. I was like, I can't be bothered. So my dad drove all the way to Luke for me to walk out 20 minutes later. How, how dare people be happy? Yeah, like, just like, I want a miserable uni. Yeah. A solemn uni. You just walk through the door at the open day and they just shove papers in your face <laughs> and like, this is what we do. Yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> Throw your NRS card onto the floor. Pick it up. <laughs> we know it's only when through clearing when there's nowhere else to go that you're going to end up here. Um, yeah, so that was all right, you know. But it was just a day trip out. Nice uh, air-conditioned coach on the hottest day of the year. So that was quite lovely. Did you buy anything at the airport? No, there's nothing to buy at airports. There is. Cigarettes. No, yeah. I didn't get to go to the, that part of the airport. Because no. that's through departures. There's always a Great Smith with three books for a five mm. which is just gone. Did you go to the Smith's Tom Clancy Well, they didn't have any comics, so I didn't really buy anything at... Um, Smith's. This is the oh, only literature you read. I only read comics, yes, yeah. because comics are for people who have um, taste. Uh, <laughs> and um, what is it with people who think airport drinking at ten a.m. is acceptable as well? Well, it really annoys me on social media when you see somebody who like you do realise you are in Britain. Yeah, but taking a picture of a pint at ten a.m. going while I'm going on holiday. Yeah, but but once you're through security, you're in like international territory. No rules apply. It's the point. British <laughs> way. It's the British way of like I, I I am going to have fun. Therefore, I need to drink copiously in order to have fun. Is that why as soon as you get past security, queuing no longer exists? Probably, yeah. Yeah, I didn't oh, go that far. The planes I get on, people queue a lot, but. There was one, uh, I was coming back from visiting my sister, and the plane stops in Singapore, bizarrely, for about an hour. So you all get off the plane for an hour, only to get back on again into your exact same seats. Yeah. So we've sat down for quite a few hours already, and then all these people move to the little waiting room, sit down again, and then when they announce that the plane is reboarding, they all stand up to queue, and I'm like, but we all know exactly where we're going. (laughs) Why? I think you should clarify where exactly you were heading. Because in my head, like you, when you said going to visit your sister is like somewhere in Europe, and then like you detoured to Singapore. Yeah, I just take the long route round yeah. to Ipswich. Yeah, uh, Australia. For okay. That one. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. I do want to put together a crew of people to break into the various um, uh, <laughs> National West Midlands travel bus depots over the next few months and rewire the doors so they open outwards 
onto the streets, yes. just in in a bid to clear the way for just people like, when just you like get a off. Snow plow. Just, yeah, <laughs> just so that when the when the bus turns up at the bus stop and the doors open outwards, giving the people that are on the bus a nice clear route to get off once you and actually then, get to your destination. Past those doors, just get yeah, smacked that's the door. <laughs> yeah. If you're walking past the bus stop and you're not expecting to get smacked, that's that's really yeah. There are no rules on Carlmore Road for bus stops. Could we also have some way of making it that generally older men seem to have this habit of getting off the bus and then stopping? And you're like, there are a lot of us behind us. <laughs> yeah. It's that, where am I? That, that's what I, you I, I've forgotten. Just push them to the floor and walk over the top of them. I'm not going to lie, that would be in my rules as yeah. the Prime Minister. It should be like getting off the Titanic. That's how it works. It's the same what, rule. you crash into an iceberg. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same rule which I have about people who just stop dead when they want to go into a shop yeah. and then pivot and go in. Or just stop suddenly in the street. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing as well this week, just to mention, uh, for Graphic Novel Club recently, we had to read The Boys by Garth Ennis Ooh. and uh, Derek uh, Robinson, which I hated. It's on Netflix. Yeah. No, it's on Amazon. Oh. So I, I disliked the book immensely. It was just vile, but Does I hated it. Does it continue to be as weirdly graphic as it was in the first few issues? Yeah, I think it just, yeah, it's just not great. So I thought, okay, I'll try the series. And I was actually pleasantly entertained by the series because it kind of didn't lean heavily into the nonsense that was in the comic book and actually kind of used the characters a little bit more sympathetically. So I watched the first episode of that, thought I'm going to watch the rest. Then I tried out something Netflix had been pushing for a while, Another Life with Katie Sackhoff out of Battlestar Galactica. I forced myself to watch the entirety of the first episode and will not be watching it again because it's trash of the highest order. It's like... Did you sack that show off, did you? I did. It was just dreadful. It was like, we saw Arrival, thought that was okay, so we've put together a show that we just really couldn't be arsed with and all the actors are terrible and it was just nonsense. You hate everybody in it. They're all stupid. Um, it's like, how do people manage to... So this is like the same thing with, what was it... Um, Alien, one of the alien things, where you've put together a crew of people who are looking after a spaceship, one of the most dangerous environments known to man, and you crew it with people who are idiots. Like Danny McBride, was that the it's Prometheus like, one? I hate Danny McBride, really? I'm not having that. Well, Kenny Powers as an astronaut, at least, you know. <laughs> but it, it was just so boring. It was just a waste of time. So, But the boys, thumbs up for the boys, thumbs down for another life. That feels like a statement on life. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I can see that on a motto on the wall somewhere. I want it to be on like the poster advertising. <laughs> right, then, Ryan, what, what's happened to you? What, what do you need to tell us? Bought a house. Finally! Like, this has been a saga. This has only been a saga longer than Lord of the Rings. Like This, uh, this, this has been going on longer than the actual show has. Yes. But yes, we finally bought. Congratulations. Thank you. Ten minutes away from me. Yes. Great. Neighbours. I suppose there's always a downside to any yes. property buying. Yeah. Oh, we're, we're already buying chicken wire. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we can get you some razor wire as yeah, well. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Do you know what, like, I, mean, I feel like you think I'm going to be at your door. I have not got the energy to walk ten minutes to your house, Ryan, <laughs> to be honest with you. I've not got Mostly because energy. you'd be accosted by an old lady in a wheelchair outside exactly. our house. Exactly. It's or not some safe. Other people. It's not safe for me. <laughs> Do you think that woman is karma for all of the yeah. old people that Guy <laughs> abuses on the way to the toilet? It's like good omens. It's, like, it's yeah. especially created yeah. by the antiquary just for Guy. So, are you, when do you move in then, Ryan? Soon. 
To be confirmed. To be confirmed. It's all the lorry stuff now. Okay. Well, congratulations on the house near a co-op. Thank you. Is that what is that the selling point? The fact you've got a co-op. No, there's a park at the other end of the road. Is there? Yeah. So you buy a co-op though. So we've got a supermarket and a park, and two pubs, and two pubs. Yeah, mm-hmm. but one of those pubs is not a pub. And a good <laughs> and, a, and a library and certainly mm-hmm. certainly that. So uh-huh. we'd argue too, wouldn't we? <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be good. There's a carpet and tile shop not far from you as well. Yes. Um, more importantly, are you closer to Guy or me? It would be guys, sorry. Ah, well. I'm going to be the other end of the high street. We'll have to meet in the middle and go to Masala Merchant. Masala Merchant's closer to me. Akram's then, if you're going to be that picky. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bloody curry house halfway mm. between the two. So. Can we you go got... to Akram's because it's further away from the guy? Yeah. 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 You've got a print shop as well on the way. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> I thought we were supposed to be not making a mess. Well, I'm entitled to. It's my, it's my, it's my gap. It's your abode. Yeah. Sorry. Alright, you got some weird news for us then, Ryan Parrish? Yes, I do have weird news. Give us the headlines. Keith, then Keith wants to pay us to look at what guy's recorded off Sky. Yeah, right. just so he can criticise your terrible Stand habits. Right. Oh, Westworld! I don't like Westworld! <laughs> well, shall we pick one weird news story and then look at your planner right. of weirdness? Uh, so from the Guardian, scientists fight crab from mysterious purple orb discovered in California deep. Uh, yes, say that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Scientists fight crab from mysterious purple orb discovered in California deep. I heard crab and orb, and I'm intrigued. Mysterious purple orb. Yeah. Why? From Fox News Ohio, award-winning lamb under investigation for performance enhancing drugs. <laughs> uh, from BuzzFeed News. FYI, even furries thinks the cat's trailer looks bad. I mean, I know about that already. Yeah, I mean, I feel that's pretty, pretty That's like anybody alive thinks that. But no, I, think, but I think I mentioned this on the last show that yeah. like, furries were saying that they could do a better job. I mean, if furries are saying it's bad, it's got to be really bad. <laughs> uh, from ABC7 Chicago, water bottle warning. You could start a fire if you leave bottled water in your car. Whoops. Uh... <laughs> I I, I I like the lamb one, but I feel like the, the crab from under the sea. Yeah, crab and all. One more from cbc.ca. Volcanologists say archaeologists are hogging the study of Pompeii all to themselves. Nah. That sounds far too sensible. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like turf war in science. Yeah. One of, the, one of the first two. Look, I play D&D with a the scientist. They hear about scientist <laughs> arguments all the time. This isn't new to me. Yeah. I'm... <laughs> um, yeah, let's let's do the SpongeBob crab fighting thing. Yeah. So we don't want the award-winning lamb. We're going to the spun the. The lamb's had too much flipping crab versus orb. Crab yeah, versus he's orb. won a, The lamb's crab won an award. Crab I mean, like I feel, I feel like the lamb. You know what? What's that Tour de France man? Oh, let's let's not even do that. Lamb Armstrong. Let's not even go there. Actually. Okay, so this is wrong path. Yeah. So this is from the Guardian. It's under marine life. Apparently this article is more than two years old, but it's come back into the news. I have a question. The Guardian has a section on their website called Marine Life. Yes. It goes, environment, climate change, marine life. Christ. Uh, Scientists fight crab for mysterious purple orb discovered in the California deep. EV Nautilus team find likely sea slug 5,000 feet below the sea off Santa Barbara. Who wrote this? Analysis reveals foot and proboscis, making it a gastropod of some kind. It's written by Alan Newhass. Alan Newhouse. Alan Newhouse, he has a Twitter. 
That, that's no, that's not a credibility <laughs> rating. Uh, is this person alive? Do they have a Twitter? Oh, yes, they've got oh, Twitter. But, but is his Twitter verified? I mean, his face hasn't been ran through one of those random face generators. It's like an actual picture of him. Yeah. No, that is just some random photo they've stole off the internet. <laughs> You write it on marine life, and you photograph your photo, your photo profile picture is you with a horse in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Consistency, you know, at least standing in an aquarium or something. He is verified on Twitter, though. Yeah. yeah, but I've seen robots that are verified <laughs> on quit- Twitter. Quitter, <laughs> Quitter. <laughs> More than five thousand feet below the surface of the ocean, in a canyon off the coast of Southern California. There's a pineapple under the sea. <laughs> like the way they go, more than. We couldn't find out exactly how well, it was. It was more than. It sounds like it was a deep sea version of Funny Bones. This, this article. In a dark, dark trench. On a dark, dark seabed. <laughs> in a dark, dark ocean. Uh, the purple globular creature appeared to glow under the submersible's light. What is that? One researcher asks. Really? This is like a kid's book. This is like a kid's book. This is probably the most exciting thing he got to write in a while. As the submersible's camera moved over a crab to where the tiny orb hovered near a ledge. I'm stumped, another replied. I have no idea. I can't even hazard a guess. Are we going to grab it? A third asked. These words were not said. This is a story. This is a yeah. story. This is yeah. fiction. Yeah, that whole, with the whole bit of I have no idea, I was expecting the next sentence to rhyme like a Dr. Seuss book. <laughs> Are we going to grab it a third act? The crowd, startled by the submarine, scuttled towards the ledge. That didn't happen. <laughs> that did not happen. Unless the crab gets it first. One of the crab's spindly limbs knocked the orb, but it clung steadfast in place. A researcher guessed it could be related to plankton, the kind that are sort of lumpy and thick like that. <laughs> so be asking that the character was Spongebob right now, because that's what I'm doing. Another tried an egg sack of some sort with a little embryo inside. Eee. The team trained a vacuum at the creature, ready to suction it into a storage container. Look at Henry Hoover. <laughs> Candane, sir. Hey, yeah. So can I just add on the subject of Candace? We long Martin has been on the show for a while, obviously bless him. We he also, graduated. We also his graduation video where he tripped up and dropped his hat as he went to go and collect his. Oh, uh, I didn't see that. Bless you, Callum. Still making us laugh even on the show. Yes, we miss you. <laughs> it's great. It looks like a disco ball right now with the lasers next to it. One scientist said. Before long, the purple mystery was transferred from the depths to the waiting ship above. On the EV Nautilus, an exploration ship manned, for the, manned by the not-for-profit Ocean Exploration Trust, the organism's ball sort of enfolded into two folds, said Susan Poulton, a spokesperson for the group in a call from the ship. It revealed a foot and rhinospheres, which are like these ear-like structures, and some sort of proboscis coming off the back of it. That's clearly when it became a gastropod of some kind. The team now believes the five-centimetre organ- organism... Five centimetre organism found at the Arguello Canyon, an underwater formation just west of the Channel Islands near Santa Barbara. Just west of the Channel Islands near Santa Barbara. It's it's just west of. (laughs) Just an ocean and a half. Um, It's probably a variant of sea slug and mollusks that crawl with the help of a single foot and whose family includes a variety of brightly coloured species that fly, dance and swim through nearly all levels of the ocean. The organism's strange glow was an effect on the light of submersible. Poulton noted that the animal does not appear to be bioluminescent in some, as in some species of deep sea life. I think that's enough here. 
it goes on. So that headline of scientists fight crab yeah. equated to crab got startled, nudged this thing, didn't move it, and wandered <laughs> off. I'll just leave you with the final sentence from this article. You could hear on the video that someone said it had a flat foot. That helps. <laughs> right. Yeah. Should we see what I've recorded, Dan? Yes. Keep, I know Keith is excited about this. So I've got, we're at my house recording today, and Keith wants to analyse what I've recorded, so... Which might explain a lot of your behaviour. Alright, so do you want to read? Do you want to go through and Okay, so the first thing you've got here is Animal Babies First Year on Earth from BBC Two. Recorded that, I thought, I thought Laura might find it cute. It's, 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 it's a reasonably you, nice really. picture. Come on, tell the truth. Then That's you've got... You. on. Five plus one, because obviously you caught this halfway through and went, that's for me, and recorded it an hour later. Benadorm Brits on the Pull, which, which the, it declares itself to be a documentary series. And this episode is described as Entrepreneur Lee is hoping to make his fortune with his sports bar. That's not me, by the way. And then, meanwhile, self-styled granny rapper Janie B prepares for her big audition. The picture is some woman... It appears to be on a scooter. Is it a man? It's a man on a scooter. It's a man from a sticky vicky. A man on a scooter in a Union Jack suit with a megaphone. Which is bizarre. There was a guy on it who played bongos and he's having it and Johnny Bongo. You know, Belladorm, the comedy show, isn't actually a comedy show. It's just a fly on the wall documentary. It's a fly on the wall documentary. Then we've got some quality programming from Fox HD. We've got Legion, which is probably the best show on telly at the moment. Then, again, you follow it up. So two in a row of good quality TV. You've got Catch 22, which is on Channel 4. Then you've got Poldark. Obviously, you're looking for like fashion tips from uh, <laughs> the, the cast there. Getting yeah. your shirt off. Yeah. Tricorn hats. Yeah. And you've got uh, Black Monday. That's okay. That's it's quite a quality show. show. Yeah. Uh, Crashing. A good show, good comedy show. Which I haven't yeah. seen. Because I don't have quality television, I don't. You've got The Handmaid's Tale, I don't watch this. which is I, I watched the first two seasons. I got bored. Like, I, I see Laura watching this is the bleakest show. Well, ever. people have com- people complained about Game of Thrones being badly lit. It's like most of, of is, Handmaid's Tale is lit like that. Is that a fines in it now? Yeah. Oh, he's been in it since the beginning. Yeah. He plays one of the leads. There's too many fines. Is they're like rabbits that just uh, appear. Right, let's let's pick. Then, then you've got Life After World War One in <laughs> colour. Laura. Bizarre. Then divorce because you you can't get enough of sex in the city. So you've got them. You got bit, there's a whole row here that just seem Obviously slightly themed. Beecham House. I've never heard of it, but that looks like Poldark in ITV. I'm curious to work out why the BBC One have chosen that as the thumbnail for Killing Eve. <laughs> Sandra in the bath. Yeah. Yeah. Casualty. Oh dear. Um, oh, two, a couple of good ones. Deadwood and Year of the Rabbit, which is Year of the Rabbit's an absolute genius show. <laughs> Uh, a panorama which I'm not going to read out the t- title of. Uh, Peaky Blinders, well, if you must. Um, the Lady in the Van. Oh, it's a film. It's a it's a movie with um, it's Alan. I can't remember who it is. You've got some. I'm not even reading that one. Goldeneye, which is Pierce Brosnan's best Bond film by far. Yeah, I know. Grace Jones' performance. That's cool. Okay, uh, don't even that. bother with. Van. Oh my God, God! Yeah, don't bother with Van Helsing. That's just it. delete it. Or, yeah. What we do in the shadows, a couple of episodes together, that's good, I like that. And the original film. Yeah. Sexy days. Yes, 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 yes. Mm, okay. Doctor Who on W. A random episode of Doctor Who. The TARDIS episode, apparently, The Doctor's Wife, which is quite good. The Genius of Funk, okay. Thatcher. 
Followed. Why on earth did you watch that? Really? Oh, Ghosts, good. That's good. I quite what like the that. What Dorals did next? And my dad wrote a porn. I watched that as well because I quite enjoyed the Dorals on a Sunday afternoon, a Sunday evening. It was, it was right. like it was a good. Show. It was a good little show. The Green Mile, obviously a prime day movie. Yeah. In good curfew. A, a utterly pointless show that looked like it got lots of promise and then just ran off the road. Spring Breakers, <laughs> which is basically just an excuse to get four Disney actresses. Guy movies. attempts to get another cultural show in by watching a show about the Crusades. Yeah. Uh, obviously preparing for post-Brexit Britain. Which looks like it's hosted by George What's-His-Face of all the property programs. It looked like one of the Owen Wilson brothers. Well, yeah. Surviving R. Kelly, <laughs> which is a must, really. God. Camping the US one. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the US one the UK one was amazing Blades of Glory which is all yeah. good uh, a, sh- a show about uh, he's got his last film from Film 4 is what we describe Guy as our idiot brother um, <laughs> I was going to say is that a home movie that he slipped onto the Skybox <laughs> it's a very funny film with Paul Rudd Rashida Jones Elizabeth Banks Adam Scott Steve Coogan right. I must show, say show it wasn't rate, as bad as I thought rate it out of 10 then oh, I think it's 6 a six is is there. There's a lot of shows that bumped it up. Six and a half, seven. Yeah. Yeah, yeah very good seven. Laura? I don't watch enough TV to know what half of that is. <laughs> Sing adding to my collection of shows may very well be the Disney plus Marvel Phase 4 show. See what I did there? That seamless transition. Seamless segue there. He had written that down. Over a cliff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Marvel's Phase Thor was announced at SDCC a few weeks ago. A uh, little bit of telly, a little bit of filming. Quite a lot of telly, really. Yeah. Shall we discuss what's coming our way then? Well, yeah. Right, starting us off, May the 1st. And you're the Marvel feature from the team. Yes. <laughs> yes. May the 1st, 2020, Black Widow, the movie that did not need to be made. It should have been made 10 years ago, really. I like the fact that, I like, I'm loving the fact that David Harbour's in it. I'm loving David Harbour at the moment. He seems very, he's very funny. Very well, funny. he's not going to yeah. be doing another Hellboy movie. Yeah, it's like soon, okay, so. I got ditched. I got stiffed on one comic book franchise, so I'm going to get into one that actually works. I don't, I, I don't mind. It's overdue, certainly, but it'll be solid enough, you know. Mm. I feel like I'll watch it. it. I'll, I'll watch it. I feel like it's going to set up some stuff for Phase Four that I feel like it will set up more than we think. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I said it's, it's ten years too late for me. Yeah. Is anybody is anybody else starting to think that like the Natasha Romanoff that died is a scroll? And weren't they saying it was going to look back? Well, it's it's kind of going back to the Budapest period. So Hawkeye will be in there at some point, I imagine. Mm-hmm. The thing with her, it, she can't be a scroll that died in Endgame because when scrolls die, they turn back into their original form. So if she had been a scroll, you'd have seen it. At the time, yeah, well, yeah, that could have been decided afterwards. But there's no reason why the the Cap wouldn't have worked either because it has to be something to sacrifice that you. But if Cap had returned it, perhaps she might come back to life, or it's an alternative version. What got me about that is how must how awkward must that conversation have been when Captain America goes back to the Red School to drop the drop the Soul Stone off? Do you think he just like just like a oh uh, good to see you been been a few decades been a while. I mean, uh, looking well. well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd love I'd like a Marvel short series of Cap returning the stones. So what? what what's next? Because I'm sure we'll talk about this Black Widow quite your, a lot. Because I'll be trying your, to sort of... your second favorite show on this list, guy, which is going to be a Disney Plus special, which is the Falcon and Winter Soldier. Pointless. 
I'm all on board for this because I saw the um, so San Diego Comic Con conference oh, where they had uh, Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan, and they look great. I think if they lean a little bit into the kind of buddy thing, kind yeah. of like Lethal Weapon esque kind well, of. Um, I think the the not liking each other is going to be yeah. pretty much the core of this because it's going to be post end game. I think. Yeah, well, I think it's going to be the Falcon as Captain learning to be yeah. or leaning into being Captain America, but. Yeah, I'm on board to see more of these two actors doing uh, good stuff. I know you hate the Falcon, but yeah, you know. I, I think you might. I mean, that what they did have some of the more funnier scenes. And stuff I hate Falcon, yeah. but I like Anthony Mackie. Yeah. It's just a weird relationship. I think the scenes in the Beetle were quite fun. I feel, I feel like I feel like they expand on his, him on this and give him a bit more depth than him just being Steve Rogers and yeah. sidekick. Then I might maybe maybe I'll finally warm to him, but I feel like at this point he's just kind of been a like a secondary character I've just found annoying yeah uh, next along so November 8th or 6th one or two 2020 Eternals this has got a great cast but I'm, I, I'm a little bit concerned this is going to be a flop um, I think it's the it's it's the the progression of this though Kevin Feige's already said the Avengers lineup is going to be completely different to what you have got used to so I think this is their expanding the universe to allow some new Avengers to start sliding in. I don't know. I can't really see how the Eternals fits into that no. because the comic version of those characters, they they are on Earth from a very long time ago. Yeah. So they tie into a much bigger, wider cosmic um, part of the Marvel Universe. And a lot of these characters aren't you kind of standard. Um, well, they've already tried with the Inhumans. Yeah, the X Men back. They've mentioned the X Men will be coming at some point. But the interesting thing that Kevin Feige said when they announced this is that they were gonna, it was gonna be Jack Kirby Eternals, which the insanity of that kind of characters um, should could work. I think it's a little bit more risky than something like Guardians, which has got a little bit more of a um, in in terms of you've got somebody like Peter Quill, whereas the Eternals are much more otherly in terms of their character base. There's some interesting stuff going on there. So I think it's going to be a harder sell. Yeah. But I think if they lean into the cast that they've got, because they've got a, an amazing cast that yeah. they've lined up for this, so it should be pretty good. Mm. Yeah. But um, it's, it's probably a little bit, it's the hardest of all the, the things they've got on this phase four to sell to the kind of more general yeah. audience. So um, be interesting to see how they handle that kind of bizarre. It, it'll be kind of like Marvel's 2001. I think in terms of how they can, they might have to approach this. Well, I think they're trying to start mixing the films up from just being superhero action movies. So yeah. mixing it up might be quite good on this one. Next one along, uh, one I'm really looking forward to, February the twelfth next year though, uh, uh, twenty twenty one. Sorry, so just just around Valentine's Day, weird time to launch a Marvel movie. But it's Shang Chi: Legend of the Ten Rings. This this this. So I wasn't really that interested in Shang Chi until I've learned it's Simu Liu, who is in Kim's Convenience on Netflix. If you've not watched it, it's a fantastic show. Go and watch it now. He's really, really good in it. And they're bringing back the Ten Rings from Iron Man, the first Iron Man movie. I want to know what happened with that. I want to know what's Mandarin connection. Yeah, I mean, like it's it's cool that they're doing it, but the title and just it just feels a bit kind of like early naughty kind of. It seems a bit. Cheesy and a bit well, now. It's it's Disney paying p- paving their way into the Chinese market, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think the title is great. I think they should have just called it Shang Chi. Yeah, I think 
they might they might not keep all of the titles that they've announced in terms of um, the, because they've done it in the past. They've announced films that have had slightly different titles, but yeah, um, it's it'll be a good. I think if they lean into the kind of exploitation style movie that it could be. I yeah, think it, I think it'll be much. It'll be a, it'll be a nice palate cleanser after something that will oh, be cosmically bonkers like it'll the just be Marvel's first seventies style movie. That'd be quite interesting to see if if they like really lean on that kind of era. Yeah, well, Shang Chi's a good character. He's he's been a solid kind of backup character for a lot of um, other books. Yeah, um, you know, so he's, he's he's got connections to the Avengers in the comics. So mm-hmm. it'd be an interesting one. Next one up, Disney Plus again, Spring Twenty Twenty One. Wonder Wonder Vision. The Vision. I've got no interest in the Disney Plus series that much, particularly. But this, I was, I, I laughed at the concept of this because I hate Vision. But actually, I'm more intrigued by this now. I think you just want Paul Bettany and more jumpers. No, I don't. I feel like Vision's Vision's pathetic. Um, I just, I, but I'm, I'm, I love Elizabeth Bolton. I think she's a great character. Hasn't really been used that much. I'm intrigued what this is actually about. It seems a bit weird. And I'm liking, obviously, what you're going to talk about next, potentially what the, the, this this and the next thing are going to be the big part of the phase that is going to be important. So I feel like this is the one to look out for. But it still just seems weird. Mm. Mm, I think it's going to be... It's, it's going to be squeezed between what the Avengers... It's going to be what between Avengers, Age of Ultron and and this this between Civil War, is it? No, it's after Endgame. But Vision is officially dead at this point. I don't really, I don't know enough about what the content of the show is going to be. Yeah. I, I'm intrigued by the the idea because I do like the Vision, and if they kind of lean into the the kind of Vision that we got in the Tom King um, yeah. books recently, that'd be quite nice. It's it's weird. It's also being put out just before the next film, yeah. which we know is is. Is wonder is going to appear as an, as another character in that? Yeah. So it's whether there's any connection. The thing at the moment we don't really know what the connections are between all of these. Well, this um, this series is, is is the Eternals going to link into this one a little bit because you've got Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which has been described as Marvel's first horror movie. I mean, it's not going to be that, is it? But it, it's a stupid title again. This, but isn't this effectively uh, people think they're just trying to cover up? It's actually that House of M storyline. Um, this is this is the way this is the way X Men come into the world, and right. Yeah. I think the X Men <clears throat> is still a long way off in but terms of it coming into the Marvel Fantastic universe. Or I think will probably before X Men. Well, I think yeah. I think that this would be the way to explain the X Men coming in slowly. Fantastic Four, I think they're just going to be as part of the world already. Well, we're going to go into the comics. It's going to be something weird that happens. Are they going to lean more on the comic lore with Doctor Strange? destroying other versions of reality to make sure that the prime timeline is still clear. Yeah, I mean, it's, it would be interesting, like Guy says, if they kind of do something about, you know, the Wonders powers going slightly uh, over. <laughs> slightly Dark Phoenix. Yeah, so it's kind of like, it'd be interesting to see what they do that. And again, it's if, if something like WandaVision ties into why Doctor Strange is now kind of, kind of, um, Involved with that, so it'll be yeah. it'll be interesting. You know, the t- the titles are intriguing. I, I I'm not the same as Guy. I quite like the slightly nuts titles that they've got. You know, the multiverse of madness just sounds like oh, this could be cool. Uh, next one along Loki, and even from the 
the way they've drawn out the title on this one, it's going to be Time Hopping, I think, for this title. So you mean the word art logo? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it looks like they're hopping all over the Thor continuity. This is this. another TV show, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, but again, if they're doing the multiverse first, plenty of opportunity to do a multiverse Well, there's, the, there's been the rumours that Hiddleston will actually only be kind of like a host narrator type um role in that so that it won't be his version of Loki that will be all the way through the series so whether we get right. things like Kid Loki and the rest of it mm. which would be interesting for setting up kind of a Young Avengers group and start to bring in some of the kind of like mm-hmm. um, people like Wiccan and the Hulkling and stuff yeah. which might come from things like the Doctor Strange and the WandaVision series mm. um, How much time do Marvel think we all have to watch all of this? Well they have spaced it over two years for us yeah. And it's probably going to be three years before we get Disney Plus yeah. in the UK. I think he's just going to book like six months off work to just watch all this. Because you're going to have What If as well, which is just basically a short run of comics that they used to do. Which Oh, it was, crazy it was more than a short run. It, yeah. was, it was one of the best things that Marvel used to put out because it this, was quite interesting. This seems pointless, though. I don't think it's pointless. Just seems, this seems like it has no relevance to... It's, it's just random. Yeah, They're bringing back lots of the... Uh, of the previous mm-hmm. actors and they've put together a really impressive cast list for it but it's an, it's an animated show it's just a so side it's a side thing isn't it it's like if it's, it's done side project. if it's done something like uh, Love, Death and Robots and it's a nice kind of anthology show where you can just kind of pick your way through what you want to watch like oh I'm kind of interested in these characters so I'd quite like to see what if Bucky Barnes had been Captain America or you know what if the Avengers were evil, or whatever the whatever the combination of what ifs they do, it'll be quite fun. So some you'll kind of watch because you'll be interested, and some you'll just go, oh, "I'm not bothered." I think we'll get the. Um, I think we'll have the Captain America Hydra version thrown in. Here. Yeah, you might get what if Thanos had won, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, and then Disney Plus again, Hawkeye guys, raring for fun. He's gonna love it so much, and you booked off. The entire week off work this yeah. launch is yeah. just to watch this amazing spectacle for you. The interesting thing about it is they're using the uh, Matt Fraction, David Aja logo. And that mm-hmm. run in Hawkeye was brilliant, where they grounded yeah. Hawkeye and they had him looking after Kate Bishop and they have Pizza Dog. So there you go, guy, you might pizza have a character. Dog. Yeah. He's a dog, uh, but they just call him Pizza Dog because he just eats pizza. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's if they set it up that Hawkeye is more of a mentor towards yeah. Kate, then that could be a good series. And if it's just set in kind of lower New York and it is this, because in the comic book, Hawkeye owns yeah. a building, so he's the landlord and he's dealing is, with a lot of stuff. Maybe this is like their Netflix Daredevil. It could be, it could be. Going for that kind of feel for it. I suppose the rest, the one that we got more information than any of the other films, Thor, Love and Thunder, where we're going to have Natalie Portman taking on the role of Thor. Yay! Finally, some more girl superheroes. I, I was quite surprised when they brought Natalie Portman out because I thought she was done with Marvel, especially after the Dark World. I feel she's been lured in by the concept of working with Taika Waititi, who is big, big, big now. So yeah. I feel like that. I feel like that's lured her back into it, and she's probably yeah. probably a good friend from Hemsworth. He's probably said, "Come on, come work with this director." Yeah, but she just didn't want to be the love interest in um, in the Marvel thing. She wanted to have more of a, a meaty role. So <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, look at the graphic for the title. It's like... We mean the oh, Shining Force logo. Yeah, let's just, <laughs> just lean into this heavy metal style. It, let's it, bring back Taika Waititi. Let's just make this... 
to say he's really limped into the 80s kind of vibe for yeah. the last couple of yeah, years. Yeah, my, my immediate reaction is that's just the shiny plus logo <laughs> from the Mega Drive. So. <laughs> but I, I am really looking forward to Taika Waititi. He's one of my favourite directors. Uh, he, he always manages to imbue quite serious storylines with a bit of comedy as well. Yeah. And there's always a tale behind it. It's not just, oh, here's some japes. Well, I said this before. I'm excited the fact Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth in another film together. They are great when they're together. So I think we're going to get hardly any Chris Hemsworth in this movie. Mm. Yeah, I, know, I think maybe not, but even just the concept of them on screen together yeah. again, it's, 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 it's a joy to look forward to because Ooh. they were great together. I, I think Portman Thor and Tessa Thompson combination there. That's yeah. going to be good. I still think Hemsworth will be the main lead in it. And it'll build. It'll build to the fact that because they've got they've got to explain how Jane Foster then becomes oh. Thor. So either well, you've got Thor, the mention of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, which we already know was in production. Well, it's, it's still a long way off because James Gunn's going to do um, Suicide Squad Two before he starts work. So the script's written, but it's not going to be in there. So whether things Suicide will change, Squad Two, Suicide Squad reset, yeah. basically, which is not Suicide Squad Two. But if, I, I, if they just literally, if it's just a a continuation of Thor Ragnarok I'm fully on board yeah. for that it's like if we can have more Korg more Meek more bring back Games Master the Grandmaster I was going to say more Goldblum yeah you can imagine more Goldblum in that I know then, so what's your opinion of that is probably excited or not for me personally not really too much t- too much TV that I'm not that interested in watching which I think is going to I'm very interested in watching TV shows which feels like in like Phase 4 is going to be fragmented for me I think what- it's more resetting the clock we're back to Phase 1 again I'm just a bit disappointed by what's been announced here. I would have liked the Guardians movie, I would have liked Black Panther 2 and Ant-Man 3. I know they're coming, but these are the stories I want to see. I'm not particularly interested in some of these newer characters and what Marvel's trying to do, so I think like two these two years are going to be a bit of a slog until we get to like what I deem is the good stuff again. Well, if you notice, there's two movies for each of the years, or three, I think, in the case of the 2020. Um, but Marvel... Probably gonna start bumping up to three to four a year. I think. I think it's gonna be one every three months going forward. I think if you've got Disney Plus, two films a year is more than enough. And I think they should get back to that kind of. You just have one at the beginning of the year, one at the end of the year. Yeah. But for me, this is for well, bad Disney, time. This is like everything. You're gonna want to replace the money from not doing Star Wars movies for a while. That's that's gonna be the killer. So I think you're gonna bump up the Marvel side of it. I think that would be a bad move. Because you're just going to get oversaturated. These things need a lot of time. They need a lot of planning. They need a lot of work towards them. I'm quite happy with this phase four because it's bringing yeah. in a lot of the, the, the comics that I like and love and characters yeah. that I like and love. I don't really, I'm not that bothered that I'm not going to get an Ant-Man 3 or a Black Panther 2 at this point. So expand the universe. Do, do, I mean, they've been accused of having making this the diversity phase. But it's like they've had to build to this to, yeah. to make an audience go, okay, yeah, this stuff is acceptable uh, to the mainstream. And I think the idea of having these characters out there and people being on board and trusting Marvel, knowing Marvel are going to do a good job. All the people they've got involved are high quality, good good directors, actors, performers. So I'm fully on board with Phase five, uh, phase 4 of Marvel. Laura? Uh, I, I think there's too much TV. And I would worry how much of this is actually going to get watched by people. I think none of it's going to be mandatory. But that's my concern, is that some of it will or won't. Um, I I think they're kind of pushing that angle, and I'm not sure how much people are that bothered, especially given what what subscription packages are people going to do. True. Um, 
I'm looking forward to Black Panther 2, so I would have liked to have seen more mention of that. Um, completely agree with you on Black Widow, that should have been 10 years ago. Feels a little bit like it's kind of lost its time. Um, oh, it feels like it's um, Scarlett Johansson's retirement check from Marvel. It just feels a little bit like they've kind of rolled their eyes and gone, oh, everyone's going on about girl superheroes, let's finally do it. Um, I... I, I agree. I think the kind of the issue about the diversity. I think it's about time, though. Um, I think this should have happened well before now. Um, I suppose better late than never. Yeah. So moving from phase four to ninety four. Lee, I was going to say Lee, what's your opinion? But you Lee, Lee has no opinion. Yeah, right. My opinion <laughs> is complete indifference. <laughs> it's Marvel stuff, so I'm just like, sure. That sure is a lot of titles of things I've never heard of before. <laughs> I'll just find some just, just generic like wind rustling noise for Lee. Find some, some bells. Like, I, I gave you my opinions, that which were the Loki logo looks weird and the Thor logo looks like Shining Force. And that's my entire opinion on everything. <laughs> so yes, Ron, we're going back in time to 1994. Yes. Yes. Years. So, three albums which are... Some people class as seminal albums in the Brit pop ever. One of them celebrating its 25th anniversary this very week. Yes. Ooh. So we had Oasis. Definitely maybe. We had Blur. Heart of Life. And we had Pulp. His on hers. Three, three defining albums of what was Brit pop. And when I thought about it, Brit pop lasted, what, exactly two years? But what what killed Brit? You, you're looking at an audience here with crossed arms, so I don't think this is going to go in your favour, guys. He's never going in my favour because you never you like you know because like you never listen to like you you're too busy listening to bloody Alien Ant Farm bowling for fucking whatever. Bowling for forty one. Yeah, bowling for that. So, um, but I think that like it's an interesting period of music because I feel like it's the last time really. There was a definitive scene, there's some definitive movement in music where like everybody was like into it, it was huge. I feel like after the 90s kind of went, like everything from the noughties onwards, there wasn't, there's not really a scene anymore, anything anymore, because no, no one's doing anything new. And whilst Britpop wasn't new, but it was still a movement, it was a big thing. And like, what, what, do, what do we have now? Like, what do we oh. have in the noughties, which was a huge movement and things oh. like that? I think 2008, 2009, there was a it gets all lumped into alternative now. We had bands like Block Party and that coming through. You were like, that was like the mid noughties, man. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Well, like 2004 or 5. Like, those bands were cool by 2008. But that kind of period. It was a very kind of indie. Indie scene called yeah. the second half of the 2000s. But, none of it, none of it, but the thing is that none of it was as culturally significant as Britpop, though. Because, like, like Oasis, the, 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 everyone always remembers the, the Blur Oasis chart battle, which was all over the news. Noel going to the Houses of Parliament. That stuff wasn't, you weren't seeing Block Party having a chart battle. You, you're still talking about a period where yeah. there wasn't Spotify. There, yeah. was, there, was still, yeah. there was still music shops on every high street. There was Top of the Pops on the or, TV. say BBC pretty much controlled what people listened yeah. to. So, so the, the, the reason that there was this movement was because it was very much targeted and marketed in that way there wasn't the because the 2000s on you've got a very the diversification of how people are accessing and listening to music so it spreads out that that range of music that people are listening to to everything and anything they want to 
rather than being what they're sold and packaged for at the time. So Britpop for me is a very packaged thing. Mm. It was, we, we need to rally the troops, so let's put together something that makes it, like, that people can get into. And the Blur Oasis battle was just a marketing ploy to make them um, much more kind of viable in terms of selling records to people. And then you had Pulpers pretty much the also ran of that period who kind of, like, were bronze, like... I, mean, I think though, like with, with, when you look at these albums, so when you, you go, you, you fast forward to '95, you've got the Great Escape from Blue, a different class, and then you've got What's the Drum Roll Noise, and those are the those three albums are kind of like that is the Britpop era personified. So the Great Escape is an average at best album, which Blue were desperately trying to recreate. Part like What's the Drum Roll Noise is always in full on anthems mode. Paul finally hit the mark full on with different class. But these three albums, I always think they they were kind of they weren't they weren't tr- they weren't trying to be Britpop bands. This is just the sounds they were making, which caused them to be the Britpop bands. So like Oasis came out with this album and Blur came out of Parlor. That's just who they were as bands, and people people swiped them up into this scene. So then they felt they had to keep making music that sounded like that to 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 define that scene. So like in terms of like the way I look at them, like they are defining. Records because of what they were doing. So like the Part Life album, I love it. There's a post picture of it on my wall on canvas right there, which means how much that album means to me. But I also at times find it to be a little bit right. corny well, in places. You, you asked us to go and revisit these albums 25 le- years later and like summarise our thoughts. See, for me, this is a hard one because it's like these albums have kind of been that things I've listened to throughout the last 25 years. So for me, they don't seem dated or so I'm interested to hear how you guys perceive them. Yeah. Might well, not listen to them as well, much Keith, Keith and Lee have extensive notes. I've got a general, more overall opinion. Well, Laura, uh, I did not listen to them because I, <laughs> similar to what Keith says, I, I think the era of listening to albums is kind of over. So have they withstood the test of time? Well, I couldn't tell you the last time I listened to an album, start to finish, in the order it was mm. presented. So. Uh, it's not so much whether those three albums stood the test of times, it's whether albums stood the test of times, and I don't listen to music that way anymore, and I'd yeah, I'd guess saying. that most people yeah, don't. That's yeah. Okay, so starting off definitely, maybe, I'll have my overview of you gents go in-depth, if that's all right. Oh, okay, so right. definitely, maybe, was the album I was least looking forward to listening to, because I can't stand Oasis. Um, <laughs> it's a common opinion, they got an and... great band, effectively. I'd listened to it, and I didn't hate it as much as I thought I would. Um, But that's because, sort of listening to them properly, I kind of realised what it is I don't like about them. So, Noel Gallagher writes, is capable of writing some decent songs. But then he ruins it by having this wall of distorted guitars that drown everything out and just make it muddy, and then getting his brother to sing. See, I think, I think <laughs> definitely maybe that's done the best, though. And then I think when you get to be here now, it, it's too much. So, like, mm. I think they got the balance just right with definitely maybe. I think the problem is it just it is just muddy and you've got... It's true. It is, I'll give you that. And Liam Gallagher's never been a good singer. No. I'm <laughs> using an analogy which is going to sound a bit weird to start off, but follow me through this journey. Definitely maybe is drinking Coca-Cola on holiday. Nah, it's like drinking a pint on holiday. No, it's it's drinking Coca-Cola on holiday because it always tastes different. It's 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 a copy of something else. It, yeah. it's, 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 <clears throat> it's very much a pastiche of something else 
and it's got everything else that's in the ingredients list. It's exactly the same, but it still tastes off. I will say that two of my notes say, um, Shaker Maker is a really interesting cover of teach I'd Like to Teach the World to Sing. Yeah. Um, and, yes, uh, I love that. And I preferred uh, cigarettes and alcohol when it was called Get It On. Yeah. So it, 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 it's a pastiche of other music that's gone before. But then two or two of the two exams are directly inspired by the music of the sixties or eighties, obviously looked at the Stones and, and the Beatles, and Blur have gone down the Kinks route. So they're not they're not, ins- not inspired. I wouldn't would say inspired, <laughs> I would say directly cribbed from. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole thing with my foreign coconut is it, it tastes good enough that you don't mind drinking it. But when you have the stuff that you're used to, it's so much better in your head. Alright, Keith, you want to definitely maybe then. Yeah, I kind of I listened to them uh, and rated each song individually to give to kind of figure out what we've got, I liked. We've got about ten minutes. So <laughs> what what I was surprised by was basically how there was a there was a couple of decent songs on there, but most of it I thought was trash. That is just derivative uh, kind of like you know, it it sounds like something that the Stones or the Beatles went, yeah, this ain't good enough. We're chucking it out, and um, the the Oasis found twenty five to thirty years later and went, oh, we'll record this. It's good enough for yeah. us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cigarettes and alcohol, decent tune. You know, it's yeah, not it's great. Yeah, it's <laughs> not great. It's one you can you know, if you heard it, you could go, oh yeah, cigarettes and alcohol. You sing along to it, but. I was surprised at how, considering this is supposed to be a defining moment in British music, how meh it all was. It made me appreciate Noel's singing so much more, mm-hmm. just because of how awful Liam sounds on this record. See, yeah. I, for me, I went back and listened to it, and first three tracks, killer singles, you know, you never dispute the fact Oasis always... Always put out a good. They always put out a good single, like you know. If, if you want to have something to dance at, stops at two a.m. in the morning. It's going to be an Oasis track. But it's it, it. The singles are strong. The album tracks have always been weak for Oasis, and Oasis have always had this thing where they have stuffed up, and they've always put their best songs as their B sides. So technically, the master plan is the best Oasis album because all their best songs are B sides. So if you actually think about it, whatever was I think just the single that got released. And half a world away. If they'd actually put those two songs on this record, I feel like the quality of the album would have been so much stronger. Because well, whatever is a different sort of song for Oasis, same as Half a World Away. It's not really a slowish sort of song on this. It's all very this much the mm. same wall of sound that Leaders Grind. Yeah. I think if those two songs had made it on and they'd taken a couple of the regular ones off, well, it's what it would have been a stronger record. There, for is, it. there is one song on Definitely Maybe which doesn't have that muddiness, which is the the last one, which is Married with Children, mm-hmm. um, and that. Stands that stood out to me just because it didn't have that noise just attacking yeah. the entire time. I was like, you know, I mean, it's not necessarily a great song. I think, like, you know, I said Noel, Noel Gallagher writes decent songs, but it's very much just dad rock. Yeah, and so when you get that wall of sound and you get Liam's drone over the top, it's not mm. singing, it's a drone mm. over the top. All right, part life then. So, right. Blur, Blur, so obviously, definitely maybe was the debut point, but Blur had released. Three, three or four, before yeah. Two or three, I think. No, this was album. It was two albums. Yeah, two so they already sort of sort of cracked their sound a bit. This this was a much more experimental album in my mm. eyes. You can f- you can even just barely see the starting threads of Gorillas with Damon Albarn mixing around with music mm. in this. It, it's kind of he's not pigeonholed himself into that Britpop genre which didn't really exist when this album came out. 
it, it's it's a, a, a wide encompassing album where it definitely maybe went down one straight pigeonhole. This has got characteristics from a lot of different albums, I mean, and I think it's a much better album when you now. Say, when you say the term Britpop to me, instantly to mind, Part Life is the first thing I think of when you say Part Britpop. Life, the like, single, maybe, what yeah. goes to my head is, is that, just a man shouting Part Life. It, they, they made the mind, I think, the most iconic thing about Britpop is just that song. Everybody loves it. It comes on in the club. Everybody loves to hear that song. It's still classic. I Phil like, Daniels is still making money mm. off it to this day. I saw them in Madison Square Garden a few years ago in New York. I'd see a bunch of New Yorkers putting on British accents, jumping in the Downshack Park, on parking for part like It was incredible to see. It's it's, it's transcended to something else. It's well, just a, at, at the start of this, you said that like you've listened to these three albums continuously over yeah. the last 25 years. This is the one that I have listened to mm. a lot of the last 25 years. This is actually a really good album that I really love. Mm-hmm. Um, I said there's, there's yeah. bits in there for everyone. That's yes. the thing I enjoyed about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Keith's probably going to shake his head because it's not the Wombats, but, the, but, <laughs> but I, I, I think the Wombats would be a band who would have been it's... probably influenced by this. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. There's enough variation and influence mm-hmm. in there for it to be a good standout record, which can bear repeat and listen to. Yeah, like, I, I genuinely think that most of it holds up, with maybe a few exceptions, like things like Bank Holiday. That's just yeah. My only fault with it is it's too long as well. Yeah. It's yeah. 16 songs, it's you too could have, long. You could have killed four off. But there's some absolutely incredible stuff in like This Is Alone for Tomorrow. Yeah. These are incredible songs. And that artwork alone is, is, more, is an iconic image. So you, can get rid of, you can get rid of Magic America, you can get rid of London Loves, and you can get rid of like The Debt Collector as well. Yeah. Yeah. Trouble, in the message, <laughs> Trouble in the Message Centre. Trouble in the Message Centre, I... I Kind of weirdly yeah. like, but it's the weaker ones. Yeah. London Loves yeah. was definitely should not have been yeah. on an album. It should have been yeah. kept away to a drawer. Yeah. Any, I didn't listen to definitely maybe, and I didn't listen to this at the time outside of the singles which were just there. Um, but I, listening to this now, it, it struck me as being Carry On, Britpop. It was almost like it was taking the mickey. It was almost like Damon Albarn was going, we've been pigeonholed into this whole Britpop thing so we're going to do something that everybody's going to love but basically I'm just going I'm taking the mickey I kind and of this like is it the thing. for that reason because it is very much it's kind of playful and it, it knows yeah. what it's doing I didn't think it was playful I thought it was knowing and very much kind of like I'm I'm the I'm the musician here and I, and I like Damon Albarn and I like what mm. he's done with Gorillaz but I definitely got the impression that this is somebody who was going I'm better at this than you lot and I'm gonna just take. I'm gonna laugh at you for liking mm. this because I'm just not even trying. There were so many one-star records on uh, tracks on this that I just was like, "This is awful." You know, it was. I, I really struggled to not go. I got to skip. I, I can't think, listen to this anymore because it's just dreadful. You never listened to it when it was first out. Mm. You've lost that initial impact because <clears throat> music has moved on so much. Yeah. Since that, you're listening to it as this is a pastiche. Yeah. Of I no, it is. But Actually, even this is the Brit even the videos and stuff. When you look at the videos for Park Life and you look at the videos for Girls and Boys, it's very much that like, hey, hey, we, you know, the whole thing with the Park Life video and all the rest of it, and go, and you just think this, they, this is mockery here. Mm-hmm. I, I really felt very strongly that this was was their mocking like uh, well, record it, that they I, were just think just was, laughing at everybody. At that time. But, this is John Major's been in power for three years. Everything's grey. 
you got the pillhead scene starting off with all the EDM mm-hmm. and the raves, and this was an alternative. To but if you think about it, it wasn't meant to be a Britpop record. No. It was the font to modern life is rubbish, which is also a bit of a pastiche on stuff. So I feel like you, what you're saying is right. They were taking the mick out various things of British culture, but accidentally it got wrapped up in this scene that mm. happened to come it's, around Oasis. It's like album I read the pub landlord. The album basically, it, yeah. it was it was done as a critique. Which then became actually in support. But there yeah. just isn't enough in there musically for me to think this is a good record. All right, final one then. They also run. So this is, for me, this was an interesting one because Pop had been slogging it since the eighties. Started off as a folk band, then they went a bit weird and indie. Then they then they started to move towards the synth stuff. And I feel that Paul they they literally had no no intention becoming a big British band. This no. was just a standard pulp record that they were putting out. They're obviously getting a bit better over time. They'd signed to a better record label and for some reason they ended up falling into this scene and Jarvis Cocker becoming a poster boy for Britpop. This this kind of feels like the record label as it was being printed have gone oh Oasis and Oasis and Blur have been really popular now. Let's just relabel it as Britpop and get it promoted mm. as that. There is no real Britpop to it at all. I've said it's really heavy on the synth and stuff. I will but, say be careful because Jarvis talked to my idol and this is one of my all time favorite. Well, well, well as, 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 <laughs> as a gangly guy with glasses, same with Jarvis Cocker. Um, so, you know, when I was growing up seeing that guy dance, dance like an idiot around him, just like, hey, look, it's me. Yeah. You know, so. But one thing that struck me about his and hers is like, you know, you're sort of saying it. The label of Britpop was applied to it afterwards. It sounds weirdly eighties for yeah, an album from most yeah. But that, I think that that was always pop sound. They were they but, were they were pushing that sound for years. Not so much because it's synthy, but because it was even in things like the guitars and the the bass lines and stuff. It was very sort of it fit more with things like the Cure and Joy Division, yeah, and right. Echo and the Bunnymen, yeah, and that sort electronic, of electronic. It wasn't yeah. that hard guitar sound that you had with the Oasis. Yeah. Or the Pinky Blonky guitar that you had with Blur. Yeah. It's, it's, obvious, it's obvious that they came back then with Different Class, which was a reaction to them being yeah. pulled into the indie scene, because it's a much mm-hmm. more indie sound record. So I know what yeah. you're saying, it's very synth-heavy, but yeah. that, like, if you listen to the earlier pulps, that was the sound, mm-hmm. but they sort of expanded on it. Yeah. I'm just saying that, you know, obviously I know they've been around since the 80s, but it's like it feels like they just brought the style with them. You can kind of tell because yeah. it still sounds very 80s, and then I, I love Different Class, so I knew... Where it went from there, and what that is a huge shift. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I, a, I think it just got labelled post. Yeah. I feel like this is the better record than Different Class. I love Different Class, like, again, one more time favourite record, but for me, is it that? Because the, it just just the, the lyricism of it, like Cocker, just there's just a pure sleaziness of the record. Like the fact that the track is called, our track is called Pink Love, which is a metaphor for something completely mm-hmm. inappropriate, is fantastic. I, I just love just like, the whole idea that Sheffield is just this dirty sex city, you know, like sleazy well, sex happening behind pool curtains on a sunny afternoon. I have a slightly different opinion because I think the different class is the better record and this is kind of the precursor to it. It's but, a setup for it, yeah. Yeah, because it, it felt like it was moving towards that but wasn't quite there. It was still very rough around the edges, yeah. but it was building up to, to what different class would become. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. So I think it's just relabeling. Yeah. yeah, I mean, mostly because of what Lee had said about the musical influences for Pulp. This was by far the best of the three albums that I had to listen to in terms of this. And again, Different Classes is the better record. But this was more solid musically for me. Most of the songs on there 
were at least listenable. And, you know, do you remember the first time is still the best track out of all of it? It beats, you know, Park Life and all the rest of it, just because it's a, it's a much better song. It's a song that just really still holds up now. Um, so there was only a couple of Duff tracks for me on this album. He gets it loses it a bit towards the end, I think, but mm-hmm. it's pretty solid throughout. It loses it towards the end. Yeah. So, I mean, musically and, you know, just the way the poetry of Jarvis's writing, so his song crafting is much stronger than the other guys in terms of this. So I was just kind of much more on board with this as an album. It's still not a great album overall, well, but look, it was better than the other two. Well, if you look at the three albums, um, Old Gallagher always writes about teenage love, basically, and drinking. Uh, Blur write about society. Mm-hmm. And Jarvis Cocker always writes about whimsy and sex. And yeah, sex. yeah, it's, it's, it's gross sex and <clears throat> occasionally some politics. With a bit of whimsy through it. Yeah. It's, it's, just, it's just cheap, yeah. nasty sex we're talking about. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, to wrap it up then, do you think they deserve their place as defining albums? And which do you, you know, prefer out of the three? Um, I still think Oasis is the most massively overrated band of the last 30 yeah. years. Second that. So I think for me, they are predefining records. I think they, they helped shape a musical landscape. They will always be looked at as classics. They're, they're all iconic. Probably his and hers maybe the least because I think people naturally would think think of maybe different classes more iconic pop record, mm-hmm. which obviously came a year, a year later. But for me, they are pretty iconic albums. But for me, it will... Heart Life is the album I go to to listen to some anthems when I want to, I want to feel happy. Definitely, maybe it, it's a rare put on. I just prefer hearing the singles from in, in similar like a, a nightclub. His and hers is so far wasn't too full, but there is to me that's a it's an incredible record. It's a fine, it's part of the defining last twenty five years of my life. A record I've always gone back to, always will. It would be an all time favorite for me. As Laura said. It's it's Spotify playlist nowadays. You'll pick the tracks you want. Mm-hmm. Have all three albums if you do want to listen to them, and you'll pop it on for 20, 25 minutes max. And that that's unfortunately where the music industry is. Nobody buys albums to the level that it used to be purchased at. I don't think Oasis deserve their reputation in any way, shape, or form. Out of the three of them, Blur I think changed that Britpop scene more out of the three of them. But I think Pulp still contributed quite a bit whereas Oasis was just always a pastiche of it's, the 60s music scene it's nice that like two of the bands even though they don't really make albums anymore obviously Blur did recently but two of the bands adapted so Pulp and Blur did to yeah. the class and Parlour and then when you look at their next record which was Blur Sapphire and, and This Is Hardcore they realised Britpop was dead whereas Oasis didn't and they tried to move past it and make more interesting stuff later on so I feel like they're the two strong bands here because they didn't just sit comfortably and, you, and you have to look at what Damon Albarn's doing these days as well, and what yeah. he's done since. You yeah, know, since Blur split up, it's been like gorillas. And I say, if you didn't have Blur, you wouldn't have had gorillas. And yeah. you would, you know, it's things like as well. He did like the Good, the Bad, the Queen, and yeah. the Marley music stuff as well. So he's been very adaptable. And what's his Blur. face won't be making cheats. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> be a farmer. Yeah. yeah. So, so Ryan, you you want out the, the pick out? Was it part life? Probably would be part life. Just Laura. the anthony side. Uh, yeah, again, probably, and also the nostalgia. Lee? Mine is Park Life. It's just because I felt his and hers was a bit rough around the edges, a bit ropey, and definitely maybe wasn't very good at all. Keith? His and hers by a country mile. Go on. His and hers, definitely. They're three to two. Once a, once yeah. a pork family, a pork family. 
Top Trumps, woo! We're about to play a round of Top Trumps, woo! Thirty Top Moments, friends, the TV series. All right, so Laura thought we were on a break and was gone out to Central Perk to get us some coffees. Yeah. So we thought we'd keep ourselves busy with some other classic nineties nostalgia with friends, the top thirty moments. Gents, I've given you five cards each. So we're only doing the top twenty of what we've selected moments. But to start us off, Lee. Okay. Uh, let's see what we got. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, there are. For those who haven't played top yeah. cards before, pick a category, highest value wins. Yes. Uh, I think. I've got a card which is the Wonderful Lottery. I'm going to go with Laughter, which is 64. Describe the scene. The scene. uh, The gang decide to pull their money and buy a bowl's worth of lottery tickets. Uh, Tensions rise with potential millions at stake, culminating in Phoebe threatening to toss all the tickets over the balcony unless they agree that friendship is more important than money. She relents, but is attacked by a pigeon and drops the bowl anyway. No, Phoebe! Do you think she did that? Oh, 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 oh! Things what, she did when it happened. What was the quote? Because there's always a rubbish joke quote in the corner. Chandler, oh yeah, listen, don't tell Monica, she'll rip your heart right out. <laughs> Happy episode of Friends. Yeah. What was the category put? Uh, laughter, which was 64. Yeah. Keith? Uh, I've got season six episode, the one with Ross's teeth, uh, <laughs> which has got a quote which makes no sense to me. Your teeth, yeah, I saw them from outside. Hilarity ensues in this episode. Uh, this says Monica sets up Ross with her colleague Hillary, and in preparation, he whitens his teeth. Alarmed at the result, Monica tries to help him with a sh- find a shirt that will distract from the brightness, but her efforts are to no avail. Despite this, the date seems to be going well until Hillary turns on her black light. I don't remember this particular episode, but apparently it was hilarious because it's got a laughter rating of 72. Oh. Oh, I've got the last one, part two. The last ever episode of Friends, the whole the saga comes to an end. The last one, part two. Last one, part okay. two. Uh, quote, Rachel, okay, should we get some coffee? Chandler, sure, where? Ah, oh, the irony because they drank at the same coffee house for ten years. Ah, oh, ha, 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 ha. Um, so it's the last day in Monica and Chandler's apartment and a group of friends reminisce about the past ten years. Before Chandler and Monica enter the head to know new home, the gang decide to go for one last coffee, leaving all their kitties on the kitchen counter. I remember, like, it's like, like someone's died there, so like, they're just moving out. No one reminisced about the last 10 years. They were all friends before this happened, right? It was only Rachel that came later down the line, yeah? From what I remember for the first episode. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, like, what happened to the previous. No, Jerry moves in in the first episode as well, doesn't he? No, Rachel's the only one who hasn't been part of the group. There's another flashback episode later down the line. Oh, uh, yeah, when they have the crazy. Yeah. When they have the crazy what, Ryan? The crazy everything. In Friends, it's always crazy. It's a wacky show. Uh, laughter 50, not that funny, because it's a bit emotional towards the end, isn't it? Sad. Right, I've just got rubbish laughter ratings all the way through, so I'm going to select the one where Rachel has a baby, part two. And the <laughs> quote is, Janice, oh, well then, shut me up, Rachel. Just tell me how. Nah, nah. Classic uh, writing. You can see why this show went yeah, on for 10 years. Yeah. After Ross and Rachel spend 21 hours at the hospital, Rachel is taken into the delivery room and gives birth to a baby girl. Phoebe convinces Ross that he should propose, but Joey ends up accidentally proposing to Rachel, who accepts. Oh, wacky shenanigans. Laughter rating of 40. 
He's back, isn't he? Good old cheat Bloomfield. Hey, it's not my fault. I didn't <laughs> deal with these out. I'm not having you throwing allegations of cheating on the key. Yeah. On the key. Shocking. Okay, so I'm going to go uh, to the classic season four episode, the one with all the wedding dresses. Oh, okay. Uh, with a, 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 the most hilarious quote of Chandler. He's comedy gold Chandler. Uh, you know, whipped whoopa. Just stands up even all these years <laughs> he, down the road. He would have done it like this, like whip, whoop, like that. Ah, it was, it was like he was in the room. There you go. <laughs> this one has the classic description of Ross and Rachel discuss their his impending marriage. Rachel pretends to be okay with it, but her emotions spiral, ending with her proposing to Joshua and scaring him off. Monica picks up Emily's wedding dress from the store, but in case of mistaken, but in a case of state mistaken identity, ends up trying it on and falling in love with it. Classic, I remember. What a bridezilla Monica was! Those were the days, uh, and I'm picking the category of friendship in this one, which is uh, eight. Oh, I got the one in Barbados, part two. Be here. Uh, <laughs> The quote's Ross, wall's a pretty thing, guys, assuming that there's some people who are probably not trying to listen to Ross get laid. We were in the room! The description, Charlie breaks up with Joey and starts to fall with Ross, a situation that would never happen. Uh, Joey and Rachel end up kissing each other. Filth. What, uh, what they don't know is Chandler, Monica and Phoebe can hear both Ross and Charlie and Rachel and Joey through the films of their hotel room. I mean, I'm not being funny. Like... Why, why is Phoebe in the room with Chandler and Monica? And why don't Chandler and Monica just like, get out, we want to get get some nookie going on. I'm getting on for the nookie. The nookie. Why are they not getting the nookie? Monica's, Monica's proper curly girl in this as well. Uh, friendship free. Lee? Well, I've got the last one, part one, which isn't very much a last <laughs> one. Um, which has the quote, Phoebe, this is like the best thing ever, ever. You guys might get back together. Monica and Chandler are getting their baby. There are chicks and ducks in the world again. Oh, I feel like I'm in a musical. Comedy gold. Um, (laughs) Ross realises that he's still in love with Rachel after they spend the night together before she departs for Paris. Ross and Phoebe manage to find Rachel at the airport, but she boards the plane anyway. Having boarded, Rachel has a change of heart and meets Ross to tell him that she loves him. That's got a friendship of mine. Who, hon- who honestly would fall in love with Ross Geller? So Ross Geller. Do myself out of a job because I'm going last on everyone, so everybody else is beating me. But, um, alright, I've got to burn another card. I'll have the one that could have been part one. Oh, for God's sake! <laughs> <laughs> and the quote on this one is Joey, oh sorry, I hear divorce, and I automatically go to Ross. I mean, that's quite funny. That that yeah. that is a that's a quite that a funny one. joke. Yeah. Uh, Joey has better jokes than Chandler is what we're establishing here. The gang think upon other paths that their lives could have taken. In this alternative timeline, Ross and Rachel console each other through their unhappy marriages. Phoebe has a heart attack after losing on the stock market. Monica is still fat. Joey never gets killed off on Days of Our Lives, and Chandler pursues a career in writing. Is that like uh, the Friends multiverse? It's the Friends What If? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, friendship of five. So it's a win for Lee. Yes. Lee, you're taking the category. Okay. Uh, what have we got here? Um, with this one, which is the one with all the candy, where the quote is, Ross, the neighbours ate all my candy. (laughs) (laughs) 
So the one with no candy then. <laughs> Ross buys a bike for Phoebe as she never had a bike of her own. Uh, Rachel and Tag get into deep water at work when he forwards an innu- innuendo filled evaluation form straight to HR. Monica makes candy in an attempt to get to know the neighbours and it ends up getting more than she bargained for. And I'm going for an oh my god thing, which is 40. You did not say that properly. Got to say it properly, come on. Follow Janice's voice. No, because I, I, I've got a slight cold, so I can't do voices right now. Go on, guy. You go for it. Are you putting me forward because you're hoping you're going to win this one? Nah. <clears throat> oh, I've got the one with Phoebe's wedding. You know the one where she marries Ant-Man? Yeah. Um, <laughs> is, yeah There's the MCU link. Yeah, it's... <laughs> oh, God, I've got a really sassy quote. I've got to read this out. Oh. Phoebe. But now I'm standing here today knowing I have everything that I'm going to ever need. You are my family. We are family. Yeah, but it's it's no. But the neighbors ate all the candy, isn't it? <laughs> but then he shrinks and disappears from her life. <laughs> and disappears at uh, Thanos' birth. <laughs> was was Mike the seventh friend? No. Yes. No. Yes, he was. He definitely was. He wasn't around since season one. Gunther, is, Gunther would be the seventh friend by that joke. They don't like him. They don't like him. He's just a he's just a shop assistant. Mike is definitely the seventh friend. Alright, description, as Phoebe's wedding approaches, she fires Monica as her wedding planner. I mean, good good job. Things get bad to us as a blizzard hits New York, and one of Mike's groomsmen withdraws from the ceremony. However, all does not last. Phoebe rehires Monica to plan an outdoor wedding, and with Joey acting a minute as minister, and Chandler giving her away. Oh my god! Rating is 45, that was a crap impression <laughs> of it. Bloomfield. Uh, in that case, then, I'm going to go to the, uh, the classic season one episode, the one where Rachel finds out, which contains the immortal lines from Joey Tribbiani. We make fire, cook meat, uh, which is exactly how he said it. This one's description says, Ross drops off a present for Rachel. That's quite nice. Why you mean he didn't flush? Which she appears... Which- she opens after he leaves. It's a pin that she previously pointed out to him. Chandler in, uh, suggests that this proves Ross is in love with her, so Rachel decides to meet Ross at the airport, only to see him walk into the arrivals lounge with Julie. Oh my God! 48. I can actually match somebody else's score. So I've got the one with Monica and Chandler's wedding. God, how many weddings are in this <laughs> bloody show? Uh, the immortal quote from this one from season seven is from Chandler. My dad called and he's asked me if you can borrow one of your pearl necklaces. <laughs> nice. Uh, Chandler go- goes crazy about his wedding and is even more unsettled by Monica's new voicemail. Phoebe th- finds a positive pregnancy test at Monica's as she belongs to the future Mrs. Bing. After a freak out, Chandler reassures Monica that he's excited about a baby, but she has no idea what he's talking about. Oh my god! Rating of 48. Who won? tie there between me and Ryan. Oh, yeah. I'm going to take this one. Of course he is. Of course he was going to do that. Well, Keith's no, already had two. There was no question. I've only got one. Was going yeah, to take, take one. that. Me and Lee have got one each. Now, so we tied on three apiece now. Mm-hmm. Apart from Guy, who's got nothing. So I'm going to take the one with the routine from season six. And the quote is from Monica... Ross, we better stick to the routine. We don't want to look stupid. Joey's, Joey's flatmate, Janine, invites him, Monica and Ross to the recording of Dick Clark's New Year's Eve no, rocking Dick E show. Clark. 
the siblings are desperate to make the TV edit and decide to bust out their 8th grade dance routine. Meanwhile, the rest of the gang scour Monica's apartment for their Christmas presents. And I'm going to go with Top Trump's rating of 71, which I have no clue what that actually involves. Guys. Uh, I've got the one with the babby on the bus. Um, the babby? Yeah. <laughs> Did they move to Wolverhampton this yeah. episode? Babby. Uh, so the quote is, Joey, we lost a car seat on the bus today. It's white plastic with a handle and it fits into a stroller. Oh, yeah, there was a baby in it. Responsible. Uh, quote the description. After Ross has an allergic reaction to Monica's pie, Chandler and Joey are left to babysit Ben. They realise a baby is a great prop for meeting women, but they leave Ben on a bus in, I thought it was a said excrement then, in excitement. A professional takes over the music slot at Central Park, leading Phoebe to busk angrily in protest. Top Trump's rating 80. Oh, Keith, I'm, I'm just realising that none of us are going to get a job as the, the announcers on TV channels are telling people what the shows are about. Um, so I go all the way to season nine now with the one where Emma cries. Uh, the <laughs> quote here is Phoebe, I can hear traffic and birds. I can hear the voices in my head again. Classic Phoebe. Uh, this one says Ross. So Ross is fast and furious that Joey is accidentally has accidentally proposed to. How do you actually accidentally propose to somebody? He's proposed to Rachel. So Joey allows Ross to punch him, but he ducks and Ross breaks his thumb. The pair head to A and E, where they continue to work out their issues. Meanwhile, Chandler falls asleep in an important meeting and accidentally agrees to move to Tulsa. Uh, but that's only got a top strength rating of seven. I was, I thought that seven, not seven, seventy. Seven, seventy. Yeah, there we go. Blue. Uh, I'm just going to burn one, which is the one with the holiday armadillo, <laughs> uh, with the quote from Chandler. Well, I'm here to see my old buddy Ben. What are you doing here, weird turtle man? Uh, Chandler dressed as Santa. I do remember this episode actually. Uh, Ross wants to teach Ben about their Jewish heritage. Ben, however, cannot handle the festive season without a visit from Santa, so Ross attempts to rent a last-minute costume, only to discover that the store is fresh out. Instead, he settles for the holiday armadillo, Santa's Texan friend, who teaches Ben all about Hanukkah. Ross and Monica were Jewish. Yeah. Yeah. That's like a, quite an important plot point. Does the, does the surname Geller not give it away a little bit? I did not know that. Yeah, and this one's got a top trumps rating of 65. I wouldn't, I wouldn't. You wouldn't? wouldn't. So it's all down to this final round. Final cut, final round. Final round, fight. Alright, I'm going to go with, I've got the one with two parts, part two. (laughs) (laughs) It says that there's a lot more than one with two parts. There's there's many two-parters and there's many where we have established this. We've run out of titles for two-parters, so we're just going to call this one the one with two parts. So this one I vaguely remember was the one where they introduced Phoebe's twin sister Ursula. He looked exactly like Phoebe. Twins t- tend to have um, a tendency yeah, yeah, to. Yeah. Yeah. You know that she played a, that character Ursula in a completely separate show before Friends. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. This weird thing that was trying to make her into a big star. So, like, I guess the quote here from Monica, oh god, I am so spoiled, that's it. No context. Um, okay, so the, the description Monica accompanies Rachel to hospital. Where two switch identities so Rachel can claim on Monica's insurance broad, making the consequent 
making the consequent double date with two doctors complicated. That was Clooney, I think. Phoebe disapproves of Joey dating her twin sister, Ursula. And after a string of dates, Ursula tired of Joey, so Phoebe dresses up as her twin to break up with him. Why have you turned into a primary school play narration? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with the category I'm going with here. Antics 23. All those crazy antics. Well, I'm rubbish to start off with. So I have the one with the Halloween party. Party? Party. Party on, guys. Party. <laughs> and, and the famous quote here from Ross is. Sputnik? Question mark. Sputnik. Exclamation mark. Chandler and Monica hold a Halloween party at their apartment. Phoebe bumps into her twin Ursula, discovering she's now engaged. Ursula's back. Phoebe invites Ursula and her fiancé to the party. Rachel wants to exercise her maternal instinct as he's the keeper of the trick-or-treat candy, but soon finds out she's not as lovely as once thought. Antics rating of 12. No, you think there'd be a lot of antics at a Halloween party, wouldn't you? Obviously not a lot yeah. of antics. Yeah. I mean, I had fraud. Fraud. <laughs> identity fraud. On, on that is an antic. Like yeah. lots of yeah. identity fraud on mine, so that's a lot of antics. Yeah. Um, I have the one with the baby shower. With a quote from Joey. We all know what that sound means. Hungry monkey. <laughs> what? <laughs> Can you read that out again? Gotta laugh though. We all know what that sound means. Hungry monkey. That sounds like guy waiting for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Monica and Phoebe throw Rachel a baby shower and Joey prepares to audition for Bamboozled, which was the uh, Channel 4... uh, (laughs) 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 I missed that question. Oh no, it's another 40 pages. It comes around again. Blue, blue, blue. No red. Oh, damn it. No, it, it's actually a game where you simply spin the wheel of mayhem to go up the ladder of chance, go past the mud hut, through the rainbow ring to get the golden monkey and yank his tail <laughs> to enter paradise, paradise pond. And you'd think, with all of that going on, it would have a good antics rating, but it only has an antics rating of 10. Wow. Shockingly poor antics there. Yeah. Shocking. I uh, um have stuck with season two's classic episode, the one with Ross's new girlfriend. Is that part one or part two? No, it's just one. It's technically, well, it's the first episode of season two, I believe, so it's a part two continuation uh, of a previous It would seem that most episodes would happen to be yes. Ross's new girlfriend of some description. Who unless knew he was that on a break. continuity? Although this, got, this has got a good quote. This is from Monica that says, That's Dudley Moore. I said I wanted it like Demi Moore. Play on words there, quite impressive. Um, I'm assuming that's a haircut. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm going to say these first two words independently. Ross's gushing. <laughs> I mean, it gets worse. Over new girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> um, Julie. Uh, <laughs> you can tell Laura's left the room. We've descended into jobs. Rubs. <laughs> So what does Julie write? Russ is gushing over his new girlfriend, which rubs uh, the gang up the wrong way. This is somebody said on my culminating, culminating. It's just every word is right. Um, <laughs> I got a side story about at work the other day. Um, 
somebody abbreviated cumulative sessions to come session, cumulative <laughs> touches to come touches, and I was just like, that can't be written like that, and they were like, we want to change it then so you don't have a carry on moment. Um, so obviously it rubs the gang up the wrong, wrong way, resulting in Rachel being driven into the arms of her old flame, Paolo. Um, oh, Paolo. That's oh. the seventh friend. For which Chandler feels doubly guilty. Meanwhile, Monica begs Phoebe to cut her hair, but a misunderstanding between Demi Moore and Dudley Moore leads to catastrophe. Now, that sounds like a lot of antics, but only 16's worth. So Guy Unfortunately, wins. Yeah. that means that Guy gets to win. Right. So, see if we can guess which the quotes are going to be for the remaining 10 cards. No one is going to know this. Right. Why not do the quote and see if we can guess the episode? Okay, there you go. Ross, what? You're over me? When were you under me? Question mark. <clears throat> the, the one where uh, Ross and Rachel take a break. Yeah, I was going to say that. Close, but no. Ross and Rachel bump clogs? No. no the, one, the one where Ross, Rachel de- dumps again and Ross goes, <laughs> fine! Like that. I can't remember the episode. No, it's the one where Ross finds out in season two. Okay. Uh, quote, Rachel, oh yeah, if that's not a headboard, it's just not worth it. The one with the headboard. The one where they shout pivot, pivot, no. pivot, which is someone's buzzer at the quiz team and it's every week. Pivot, pivot. The one with the broken bed? Nope. The one with the race car bed? Nope. It's apparently the one with the giant poking device. Ah. Oh yeah, they put that on your naked man. Yes. Right, quote. Joey, look at me, I'm Chandler. Could I be wearing any more clothes? The one where they're all going out. Not the name of the show, unfortunately. I think they're going out somewhere. Yeah, that's the plot of the show. The one where they're getting ready. Close, but no. That's something about getting ready or going out. The one where no one's ready. Right, I was nearly there. (laughs) You were nearly there, Guy. That's quite impressive. Uh, Because he does lunges in his clothes, which, again, I'm not so sure what challenge... Hasn't he gone commando as well? Yes. I'm not sure why he's weirded out by that. It's only a pet. It's only one player of clothes as well. It's not all of his clothes. No, he's wearing all of his clothes. Yeah, well, he's wearing all of his clothes, but lunging, he ain't going to go past the next first layer. Uh, quote, Ross, Rach, you balded my girlfriend. The one where Ross goes, bit, 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 bit. fine. Yeah. That's that fine. is the one, but that's not the name of the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, it, it, is it the jellyfish one? No. Nope. It's before the jellyfish one, the beach. Close. Come on. The beach house? No. The one at the beach. I'm not, I'm not, I said the one at the beach. All right, Ross. I don't, I don't. Fine. Uh, Ross, pivot, pivot, pivot. (laughs) The one with the sofa? Nope. Oh, is it it called like the one with the cop or something like that? Guy gets one correct. Guy's a big fat French. 22 antics with that one. So identity. Michael Rappaport, the cop. Uh, Chandler, oh, um, Joe was born and then 20 years, la- 28 years later I was robbed. Ah, uh, this is, this is in season four, I think. Maybe. It is actually in season four. Your friend's knowledge is quite disturbing, guys. It's very disturbing. Um. So if Viv was here, she'd mop the floor with all of us. Oh, uh, I kind of remember what happened. It's quite, it's, it's like, it's It's got, it's got an seri- animal in the title. It's series four, episode two. You want me to go? No. Nope. The one with the armadillo? No. Nope. Monkey? No. Nope. Ferret? No. Nope. Skunk? No, it's the Snake. one with the cat. 
Oh, this is Cap. Was it Series 4, Episode 2? It was Season 4. Was it Episode 2? Episode... So which episode? It just says which uh, season. I only said monkey because one of the few things I remember from Friends is that Ross had a monkey at some point. Yes. Joey, I've got him really well trained. Stare at the wall, hardly move, be white. That sounds racist, I don't know. <laughs> it's the one with the worst best man ever. No. We've somebody has got a duck on that one. Other than taxi cab. Uh, Monica, welcome to the real world. It sucks, you're gonna love it. Uh, the, the, the one. The, uh, is it called <laughs> the one with the pie or was it the one no. where it all began? No. The, the one with the nihilism. It is season one, episode one. Yeah, so it's like, it's like the first one, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Is that what's called one. the first no. one? No, it's the one with. They're all the one with. That's the current. That's the the one with. The one with the, the pilot. Rachel's <laughs> arrival. The one where Rachel. Gets a, uh, the one where Monica gets a roommate. Uh, almost there with the rules. Yes. Uh, season five, Rachel, Joey got a turkey stuck on his head. The one with all the Thanksgivings. Yes. And the last you're, you're one. You're far too good at this to be. Yes. Know. The last one, Phoebe, I'm almost done with it. Keep your panties on. I mean, that could be a lot of episodes. Like, Phoebe yeah. says that a lot. Season two. The one where there's another part, part one. I mean, again, it could be a lot. Phoebe's probably doing something to Monica or something. It's the one where Marcel becomes a big star. The one after the Super Bowl, part two. Yes. And that was the last one. How did you get that? Really? That's just (laughs) scary. I remember that episode. I like that episode. Brooke Shields is in it. Yes. So we have learnt from this that guy knows way too much about Friends. Yeah, I haven't seen the show in, when was it, last properly? Like, 20 years ago. Like, yeah. I think you was, you were, we were stiffed because they didn't actually put the names of the episodes on the episodes themselves. So you had to go on the internet to figure out what the episode was called. So that's serious nerd in there. Yeah. No, I knew, I, knew, I knew a lot of the episodes. But how did you know? Because they didn't say on the screen. Well, I had Sky. Italian. Ah, so yeah. you had, you had yeah. fancy telly. Getting that Comedy Central subscription money out. Series 1, episode 6, the one with the bus. <laughs> Series 1, episode 5, the one with the East German laundry detergent. <laughs> Hang on, is that Laura at the door with our coffees? Yes, it is. Oh, thank goodness. Thank you for joining us on the Geeky Room Show this week. Laura, where can we find you online? Uh, Laura Craven, that's L-A-U-R-A-C-R-E-A-V-E-N on Twitter and everything's linked on there. And you're looking for bloggers for the Brum as well? Yes, uh, so I run, run an award-winning food and drinks blog. Uh, if anybody fancies writing or photographing for it, uh, drop me a line. Guy, where can we find you? Uh, one of the H Instagram, there's other stuff, just look for some recent stuff. Look for the angry man with the long hair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lee, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on YouTube at Bob the Pet Ferret, and you can find me on Twitter at The Cheap Ferret, and as well, you can find me on DeepGrooming.com doing the Friday Roundup. And on the Yale Show, just doing your ferrets first. Yes. Keith, where can we find you? On Twitter, it's hardluck underscore hotel. Uh, on the other places, it's without, and then regularly on the Geeky Rummy website and the YouTube channel. And you can find me at Being my... moved awakened by the bin man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can find you can find me at Ryan Parrish on Twitter, at Brummy Your Mom for the foodie stuff. I will get back to it at some point. And you can find us all at Geeky Brummy on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, geekybrummy.com, ko-fi.com forward slash geekybrummy if you want to throw a tip our way. And anywhere the words geeky and brummy usually appear together.
Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.